Elon. You listen to Garage Hammer. Episode 202. On tonight's episode, the Manlings fall backwards in the time and go back to review the Blades of Corn. The filthy rotten demon spawn nonsense with the long tongues and the big horns and all that. It's just their, their nonsense. All right, shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the Garage you Tools for the next three, four, or maybe even eight hours or thereabouts. We will do our be- what? Eight? No, I won't allow that. No. Okay. Well, blood god demands. Anyway, um, so for the next three, four, five, eight hours or thereabouts, we'll do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way, bringing you blood for the blood gods, skulls for the skull throne, and other corny lines. I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I'm Alex's less interesting and far less tactical co-host, David Whitek. Thank you for joining us here on episode 202 of Garage Hammer. Alex, thank you for joining us on episode 202 of Garage Hammer. Couldn't do it without you, buddy. We know. (laughs) We know. It's okay. Uh, Lindsay tried, but... (laughs) Yeah. Let's let you know. Come on, let's get cut. Cut me and her a little slack here, because great googly moogly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, how you been? Oh, um, good. Um, I'm I'm telling myself that I don't want to build a uh, what is it? Um, like a thirty model corn list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I got a thirty model corn list here that that I've seen in action once, and it 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 might be fun to sit on the on the behind the wheel on on that. Plus, I'm a brass stampede. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. talk about that. Oh, that's so dumb and so much. Oh, I oh okay. It's uh, all good, buddy. Great, oh. googly moogly. Was that your phone? Yeah. <laughs> Even the phone um, wants us to push along. So why don't we get to the sponsors and then um, get get into get into business? Yeah. So as always, you need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, which include Chaos Orc Superstore, Chaos Orc Superstore, Chaos Orc Superstore, Chaos Orc Superstore, Chaos Orc Superstore. Six Squared Studios, Six Squared Studios for all your basic and MDF needs. Lindsay's Gamer Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. Not that Lindsay and not that Wakanda. Although there is a Camp Wakanda. Someone responded on the Facebook page, I think. Yes, there is a Camp Wakanda um, where apparently you roast safe puff marshmallows. And Black Dog <laughs> Hobby and Game in Loves Park, Illinois. I heard that is the place to be for gamers who live up in Loves Park and the neighboring area. Yes, it is. Uh, whether you like miniature games, card games, board games, or RPGs, Black Dog has it all. Check out their Tuesday Night RPG, Wednesday Night Modern Magic, Thursday Night Board Game, Friday Night Age of Sigmar, and Saturday Warhammer. Find us on Facebook at Black Dog Hobby and Game, and check out our game meetup group linked on our Facebook page. Do, 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 do. Bomp. <laughs> And we should also take a minute or six to thank our Patreon sponsors. We should. Absolutely. The Patreon sponsors. Um, great googly moogly. Turn your, turn your vibrator off. 
Oh man, that's got to get edited out. Okay, or, cool. or take the phone off vibrate. Put it on that's silent. That's much better. Cool. Well, well, listen, whatever you got to do to stop that buzzing sound, I'm not judging. I'm just saying that's twice, and I don't want to have to edit. I'm going to let these two go. But if it's a third, then I got to edit, and then it's going to take longer, and then I'm going to complain about it. And the, you know who's going to have to listen to it? You, because I will complain about it. And you'll be like, As we continue to ramble on on something we should be editing out anyway. <laughs> Never! So, um,. All right, let's thank the associate producers, Phil Elliott and Dwight Sims, uh, executive producer Nick Nefliotis, and, of course, Big Jake. Um, our newest sponsor is Ken Sheldon. Ken, welcome to the group, and thank you, every one of our sponsors, past and present. Thank you all for being part of the 1% who make this show and everything we do with it possible. Uh, please go to the Patreon page. Check uh, check it out if you are interested in helping the show out at all. Um, we got stuff there. You can see that, uh, and we would appreciate it. Um, and you know what else I appreciate, Alex? Voicemail? I do appreciate when people leave me voicemails. We have voicemail, you know. We have. Are done, you sure? I do. Well, I'm not sure because we didn't get any for a couple of weeks, and I was just like, oh, maybe voicemail was disconnected. But no, it's there. We just no, no nobody's calling. So, uh, if but if you, they would call, if they, they should call, then they should call one seven five seven G H show six. That's one seven five seven G H show six. Folks, most international callers would have to dial zero zero, and then one seven five seven G H show six. And if you don't have letters on your phone, or maybe you use a different alphabet, that would be one seven five seven four four one four six nine six. So. You don't even have to dial a three. How's that? So Or an eight. That's true. Which kind of looks like a three if you just kind of keep going. <laughs> With the three. And then it's There's an a head shake there. There was there? Anyway. Zero, yeah. look, zero looks like an eight. It just needs a belt. <laughs> <laughs> so Wow. <laughs> anyway, speaking of zeros. Oh, um, my so- goodness. All right, so we probably should take a break then and stop me while I'm way behind. Yes, and then we'll come back and come talk back about and talk stuff. some more stuff and things and awesomeness. We'll be right back. Folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. Thank you. 
And we are back talking Legions of the Blood God and Corn himself. Yes. Does this get your blood hot, Dave? It does. Ooh, it gets me so hot. My blood is boiling, and then I'm sweating, and then the blood steam, it's making other people kill. It's it's a thing. It's a thing. Hmm. How about you? So you're telling me that your blood is boiling. Is your heart human? Is your brain IBM? Don't you go into sticks that uh, uh, leave Dennis DeYoung at the door, mister. Domo arigato. Anyway, <laughs> so, uh, so let's talk about corn. Let's talk about the fact that my book freaking fell apart, first of all. I'm not a well, big complainer, I, but I only, I mean, I read through it when it came out like over a year ago. I think over a year ago. And it's like the, you know how like when you look at the at where the spine is, they're like bunched into like, you know, it's like about five or six pages and then they're folded in half and then they got those little fabric staples running down the center. Yeah. All of mine have separated. Like each one, there's like little gaps. Like it's really like the whole spine just like cracked up one day. And like I so really haven't abused this book, but. Maybe. You're telling me the rage is bursting at the seams on your book? Okay. As I was explaining it, I was like, wow. Um, I had a feeling you would say that. That was not intentional. I was not trying to set you up, although I could say we were, and then it just played as a bad joke. But no, my book is messed up. This is the <clears> first <throat> one that's done this. They, the old the old soft covers, the pages would always come unglued, and you'd have to go get it bound somewhere because it, was just, it would become a mess if you used your book too much. But of the... 20 or 30 books I've bought between AOS and 40K in the last two years. Um, this is the first one that just kind of fell apart. So I, I guess it is. It just, I mean, it's it's the most violence is in this book, I suppose. But I'm kind of disappointed in my book. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but anyway. I, like, I like the cover. Yeah. Crazy little blood letter. I mean, that's kind of all what's always on the demon books, but he just looks good. Like, he looks creepy. Yeah, it's a definitive high detail, and then you have... <laughs> high dogs. Um, you've got the uh, Bloodbound more behind him, so it's definitely like an all-encompassing type book. You can see the outline of a bloodthirster behind him as well. Yes. Like, yeah, the, in the soft, far background, and it's huge. Mm-hmm. Well, then, it's a bloodthirster. Yeah, it should be huge. Yark. Yeah. All right. So, um, who? What's a, what? If, what kind of person wants to collect maybe corn? What do you think? I th- think like, anybody. Kind of- um, I think definitely the army itself leans towards a close combat perspective because that's where you get the skulls. Yes. But corn uh, itself has a lot of options for the savvy player. Uh, between demons, between mortals, and now beasts, you have a ton of options uh, to do stuff with. It's very tactically flexible. It's fast. It can be resilient. Um, and it does have a certain element of control to it as well. Um, and we'll talk about that once we get into some of the War Scrolls. Now, here's what I'm wondering. I was actually looking through my general now this is the first review we've had to do where i've got my general's handbook open my rule book open and i mean my uh battle tome open and the faq in front of me yeah there was a number of significant changes to this book because yeah Um, the books but this book came out well before the second edition came out so it's 
it's got a bunch of uh, fixes in it. Yeah, and they fundament- we uh, had done some fundamental changes to uh, how the book operates. Because if you look at like the old War Scrolls in here, it mentions in all the demons to summon demons of corn. That's all been removed. Yep. Because it was all spells, and corn doesn't believe in spells because it's silly. Uh, but so it's been replaced with a new blood tithe mechanic, which we'll get into when we talk about the allegiance abilities. Um, but there's a lot of like subtle changes to how this book plays between edition one and two that uh, we'll cover in detail as we get through. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so can they, now it says that they can, uh, they're, they, uh, they can align with Bray herds, but now there is no Bray herds. There's beast of chaos. So is that, has that replaced it? Do we know? Can they, can they ally with them? That should be addressed in the forthcoming FAQ. Oh, okay. Because there should be a FAQ released two weeks after a book comes out. So it should be addressed then. Oh, okay. Because it says it's new, so they might list out the allies that are the people who can ally with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there's nothing, well, with the exception of the Thunderscorn stuff. So that'd be the Dragon Ogres. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, everything that is in the Beast of Chaos book is an ally for them anyway. The Bray Herd, the War Herd, the Monsters of Chaos. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I mean, regardless, you're going to be covered, but I think that may be addressed in an FAQ. Interesting. Okay. I just I wanted to I just want to know what you thought because I wasn't certain, and now that that's coming out, um, I just was curious. Or now that it is out, I was just curious. I should say. Yeah, and there's a battalion in the blade in the uh, Beast of Chaos book anyway that lets you take a corn marked Beast Battalion. Oh, okay. So if you took that battalion, you then have more options as the corn player for what you can and cannot do. Oh. So if they're marked as corn, can you just take them in a corn army because it's a corn keyword? Yeah, it's the corn allegiance is what we're looking at. In the book itself, the Laser Corn book, in the back it's got, with regards to their force organization and points and everything... It's got some old ways of delineating whether it's your a corn bloodbound allegiance, a corn demon allegiance, with yeah, the change in the GHB. It's now just corn. Yeah, it's just listed under blades of corn. Yeah, and all of it's the, in, on, in there now. Yeah, because I was yeah. looking at the book and I'm texting. I'm like, wait a minute, can I? Can, you're like, dude, check the GHB. I'm like, oh, okay. They just yeah, put it all together. Yeah, the allegiance, uh, the allegiance itself is corn. So. You can take anything as long as it's corn and meets requirements. So yep. there's a lot cool. to it. So the beast battalion is corn and then anything that's in this book is corn. And there's a few other things that have come out since that have been corn. Uh, whether that's the uh, blood reavers from Shadespire or the blood warriors from Shadespire um, and a few other things. So yeah, lots of options. And this also includes uh, what's his name? The four-drilled uh, Greater Korgarath and the uh, other big demon prints that they have. Like, Mo, I forget his name. Should get back to talking about corn because corn likes yep. to talk about corn. Corn also likes to hit things with an axe. Yeah. So, so. let's see. We started the book. You know, t- now we've covered corn 
many times on the show yes. in general. So, you know, I, 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 I kind of cliffs notes some of this for us because I don't want to spend a ton of time going through these finer details when there's other things that we want to talk about, even though I do want to cover all the lore. But you mm-hmm. can always go back and listen to any of the other corn coverage we've done on old episodes. And, um, and yeah, the this. Bloodbound book in particular was one of the first ones when AOS dropped. I think you had Steve Herner and uh, someone else on. Did they have Christian on? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There it is. So, um, you know, it starts off, the book starts off talking about the Lord of Skulls. Corn is the leader of this place. He's got the Brass Citadel. Um, you know, it talks all about that, the area around it. It talks about how much he hates Slanesh. Um, I like the explanation because you always think he would hate Zinch the most. Yes, but the spellcaster right. versus. But it's weird because in, in Champions, those are the two that you get to play. So it seems that they're, I suppose they would fight together. I mean, even when they had the old weird rules where uh, you could ally with two of them but not the third. You remember? We still have that. Oh, that's true. You can't ally with them. But before you could, I think, could you not take them in your army at all? Or could you take them in your army, but they wouldn't, they like, wouldn't Are you talking to... Old Hammer? Yeah. I. Do you remember this? It was like near, it was in, I think it was in 8th edition. Yeah. I don't remember. I've uh. slept since then. Ah. Um, but regardless, so they do a bit of an explanation here about why the blood God and the dark prince don't jive. And they talk about how corn and Slanesh are and their contradictions. Whereas corn is bloodletting for bloodletting sake. Slanesh is the pursuit of pain and inflicting torment and excess. So it's, they do similar things, but the purpose is what's the difference. Right. Between the two of them. Yeah. He's not out killing. He's just kind of sitting around and experiencing more pain. And Korn's like, you should be giving that pain to other people. Yes. And it's spilling the blood. It's the actual act of the kill. That is the holy part, the holy part for Cain. Whereas with Slanesh, you're drawing it out. You're not, you're experiencing one death for longer and enjoying the pleasure of going through that. Versus killing for the kill and moving on to the next one. Exactly. Um, um, yeah. So should we move on just to the realm in general? Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I do want to mention oh. is that they do cover that regardless of the shift in everything that has been going on, Corn is the strongest, is the most dominant of the four of the chaos, well, five chaos gods, because every drop of blood spilt strengthens him. So even Zinch, who does things through spell casting, corn through disease, it's still death and war, which then strengthens corn, right. even if it's not intentional. Right. So even if he loses fights and all the blood that's spilled, I mean, I don't see how he's not always. I mean, he is most of the time. He's the dominant of the of the five. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see how he just doesn't wind up kind of taking over almost they see with how much you know what i'm saying but everything they do helps feed him as well yeah the big thing with corn is that he's almost blinded by his rage at points and that's his blind side gotcha and that's what the others can manipulate and take advantage of 
I see. That's I didn't think about that. I like that. So we get to his realm, and it is an endless, blood-stained battlefield. There is nothing beautiful here, nothing harmonious here. Everything is horrendous. It's an existence born out of hatred. Um, you know, it's fire and and wasteland and. You know, it's just death everywhere you look, but not death like in the realm of death. Death is just like violence constantly happening and things being destroyed. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, we've all talked about before, that's the realm. And then um, I like some of the the talk about the, in in Demons of the Blood God, where it kind of just talks about them in general, how his realm and even his, his creatures, they're just basically blood and brass and iron that's what his realm is mostly you know that's what his everything he puts together is um they rip your head off when they kill you to offer it up to corn mercy is something they don't even understand it's anathema to them you know um you know and this i like the idea of this and i like that they sort of discussed this in here a bit and they seem to discuss it in here a little bit more i think than in the zinch or nurgle books is that every one of these demons is a tiny fleck, a speck, a little shard of his of him. They described mm-hmm. it in the book as a shard of his hateful existence created for the singular purpose of murder. So uh, if remember when we read Soul Wars and Nagash has many, you know, his his mind is in many places at once, and he's even got little bits of himself that are a part of him that are separate that he created right. that have different personalities, different purposes, and yet they are all part of Nagash. And you're wondering what kind of a mind can break and splinter into that many parts and function as well and as, as you know, as, well, quite frankly, as frighteningly as Nagash does because it, it, he's do, he, you know, he's got all these plans, he's got all these things going on and splintering his mind into, into hundreds of little fractions, if not more, through all the different, uh, you know, Things that he's he's, uh, you know, creating that he's or, going about, yeah, right. Uh, you know, corn does the same thing. Every one of those little demons is a little piece of corn, and when they get killed, their essence sort of comes back to him. Um, they're not mindless; they follow his will. But murder is their essence; it's what they're made of. His desire to kill—they are literally just small fragments of his of his will of his desire to kill. Yeah. Um, it's not, they don't need to have a the command to kill because their only purpose is to kill. So I don't, it's a little easier for me to understand this compared to Nagash because this is, I'm just setting a piece of my rage aside, give it a sword and let it go. Whereas Nagash has to have his will manipulating multiple things. Like the only ones that are given any sort of like, general command as far as the demons are concerned are the bloodthirsters and the heralds so he doesn't have as much to split himself into but it's just a fleck of his rage and the want and need uh to commit war is what the demons are right uh it's i i just i like that concept although because they are sentient even though they are they're created from you know pieces of his rage the longer they're out there the more 
intelligent uh, they become, or maybe not intelligent, but, you know, they're, but they're sentient, which is why when some of these die and they get basically sent back to Korn's realm, you know, because when the when the body's destroyed, the the essence, whatever it is they've been doing, their memories, their ideas, they're actually he's the one who's experiencing all of it. So it comes back to him, and then he, you know, it when when the, whenever it's right for him, he reforms them with all that stuff mm-hmm. left. It coming back, it's just such a weird. Like, how quickly do they go back? And some of the essences, like Scarbrand. You know, he messed him up so that he doesn't just, when he died, he doesn't just come, you know, he has to come crawling back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a, it's a weird relationship, but I find it interesting the way all these, all like all the parts sort of work. Right. And there's the amount that they can work. I mean, you're talking about how many thousands and, and or, or tens of thousands of little shards just be sent, being sent out. You know, and then when they die, you know, or when they get destroyed, he's just, I'm just making more little bits of that essence. You know, it's just. I Are like you seeing these. like parts of Sigmar in corn? He does. Well, Sigmar does a bit of the same thing. We found out, haven't we? It's a bit of his essence in in there. Uh, but where Nagash got mad and basically said, well, you're just doing the same thing I'm doing. What makes you any different? You're just as bad. You know, you, you act like you're all good and you're not. Um, I don't know if necessarily I agree with that. It's just that seems to be the way that the gods imbue their their chosen is how else do you make them superhuman but give them a spark of divi- of the divine? Yeah. But if you look at like like what Korn is, is he's the warrior god. Right. And then there's the smith aspect of the machinery because he doesn't believe in magic and weapons needing to be forged it's very similar to like the anvil of apotheosis a little bit yeah i can see that a bit i can go with that a bit so um yeah you're not going to get me to go uh, to take knock at sigmar so you know that um okay (laughs) okay did you want me to? No, no, no. It was just merely an observation. Oh, <laughs> uh, so we get to the you know they start talking about the legions of corn and all these different demons. Um, more interesting descriptions here. I, I really, I mean, God, it really kind of made me want to. It's like I kind of forget about corn when it's not right in front of me. But, but when I sit down and like you know the like the stormcast stuff, I think about that kind of things a lot. You know, space marines. I think about those adventures. You know, even the the death stuff. I've got all this cool stuff, and I think of Nagash like raising and doing all this stuff. Corn. Um, it's just like I don't. You know, it, it's not as simplistic as just blood for the blood god, as we all like to. You know, that's what everybody says, and you like to joke around. But there's more to it than that. Just like there's more. To orcs than the Wa, um, and when you read the book, man, it's like it, it it draws me in every time. This is the exact same thing that happened when uh, Bloodbound of Corn came out. I was so tempted, but I I didn't because that was now that we've got the demons and everything else mixed in here. I'm just like, oh, looking at it again, looking at it again. Um, they talk that the demons, the legions he creates, are frenzy. But not without they frenzy, but not without a design. 
they have they are full of hatred, but not without a purpose. Um, these things are. It's not blind hatred or a blind frenzy. These are the things that make them these amazing killers. Um, they're focused and directed frenzy and hatred and fire and strength. Um, those who do really good get a portion of his military understanding. Uh, I think that's interesting, too. He's not just cutting off flex of himself. Um, if a particular demon does really well and it winds up being cunning and learning enough to do well, he gives more of his essence. Maybe, like we said, uh, you know, a little bit of you know his military understanding. Oh, this guy does good. Let's give him a little extra and <clears> see <throat> how he does. Um, and this is where we get into some of the, most of the demons. You've got the uh, blood letters, which is the the you know the the, the thing on the cover. Yeah, the base rank and file demon soldier. Right, and then you've got uh, their leaders, the heralds, uh, which are like their heroes. The heralds mm-hmm. for blood letters are called blood masters. Uh, some blood letters get on a juggernaut and they become blood crushers. And those guys have skull masters as, as their uh, sort of the as the heroes that uh, that ride with them. And then you've got, you know, your other stuff. You got your flesh hounds, your blood throne, your skull cannon. Are skull cannons any good? Like I'm reading in the book and I'm like, this could be fun. It could be fun, but it's understanding that this is your only range piece in a weapon that wants to fight. Right. So it's a matter of getting the most bang for your buck, realistically. It just seems interesting that it can shoot and then it runs up, and if it does any wounds with the like fighty part, it can just shoot again. Like right, I mean, it's like constantly firing, and it seems kind of. I, I don't want to. Hectic doesn't do it justice, but if I say chaotic, you think I'm going to be make. You're going to think I'm making puns, but it just seems very chaotic. No, right? you can be a little corny on this one, but <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's with corn understanding that it's the ability to prosecute wars to the fullest extent in the best way that he can. And sometimes you need a gun because there are cowards that run away from you. There are walls that need to be knocked down before your guys can get in there and muck things up. So it's another weapon in his arsenal. Because when this came out, I remember when this came out, there were some sort of corn purists who really didn't like this at all. Why should he have a cannon? He is the one god who wants to get into only – he wants to pull your skull off. Why are we shooting at people? And uh, Well, we're shooting the skull back at him. Yeah, the skulls of the cowards get shot back. We don't need those. That's kind of – that's interesting. But we'll get into that later. Um, mm-hmm. But I just – I kind of like them. Then you've got the bloodthirsters. Now, demons of corn fight with everything, and they will even fight amongst themselves. And corn's okay with that because – uh, he, he, he's, there's very much a survival of the fittest, survival of the strongest uh, thing going on in Corn. Uh, and if you kill your boss, then he didn't deserve to be the boss anymore, and you do. Plus, blood, blood and skulls. Like it, we, that is the purpose. Yeah. It is your. It's war for war's sake with Corn, and any war is good war for him. Yeah, and so he. Uh, he will just accept any death. So he like it's really crazy how much violence goes on in this in this army. Um, 
and he's got different. An interesting thing is his they're they're not all the same. He's got different battalions, and they they have oh, some of them, they're they're unique. They have different purposes, even though they all come from corn. There are different aspects of corn's rage that you get in here, which allows you to write up some lore for your your characters and your heroes. And allows you to bring something more interesting into it. Uh, sort of reminds you of in in 40k how the emperor has his different primarchs, and even though they're all big and strong and strapping, they all have different different uses and different abilities. Uh, yeah, it's the different qualities, different specialties. Right, and even though they all th- these guys all look alike, you know, of course, I suppose to them we all look alike, but you know, the the where where they lack differentiation in in in, in many aspects. Um, they do have those different essences. You've got things like, like the Reapers of Vengeance. Um, okay, if you beat a corn, if Corn's armies come at you and you beat them with magic or pulling off some sort of trick or stunt, and not through martial prowess, he might send these guys after you because that really upsets him, and he won't take that sort of a of a loss lying down. He sends out his Reapers of Vengeance. You got those guys um, in Gur. His guys are out there just, I mean, they're like big game hunters. Yeah, these are the Blood Lords Legion. Yeah. Um, and they hunt the mighty beasts that roam around in Gur. Um, Offer up skulls. And, yeah, it's a competition between the Bloodmasters of the Legion um, urging their cohorts to prove they are the, to prove the worthiest offering to corn. And it's to the point that the carnage caused by them sometimes Skull Taker um, Skull will Taker join shows them. up, yeah. That's and he awesome. is the like the headsman of corn, as it were. Yeah. Um, but we'll talk about him. One of here. his best killers. Uh, so, you know what? Let's take a break. And we'll come back and jump back into more of this lore and talk about some of the different uh, ranks and the different types of, uh, of creatures you find in... Uh, or the different, you know... This is another one that's got mortals, demons, and the bloodbound, which is apparently not a little of both. So, all right, we'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll keep going with this. Unfathomable scale of the Blood God's fortress makes a mockery of mountains and evinces the enormity of his power. Its colossal walls are spattered with gore and topped with crenulated spikes that claw through the dark clouds belched forth from Corn's foundries. Vast arrays of braziers hang from cruel hooks, shedding their burning glow on the surrounding wasteland. The remains of champions slain in Corn's fighting pits are strung, skinned and bleeding, from countless iron gibbets that jut from the highest fortifications. Their drippings streak down the burnished walls and collect in the moat of boiling blood that encircles this dread stronghold. In the central keep is Corn's enormous throne room. 
The air here has the coppery scent of a thousand abattoirs, and the visceral humidity stains armor crimson. Around the perimeter stand eight titanic pillars which rise from a carpet of bone to the vaulted obsidian ceiling. Around these columns prowls Karanak, Korn's three-headed hound, and from the chamber's rear comes the clang of furnace demons working at Korn's anvil. At the room's center is a mountain of skulls that grows higher with each offering from Korn's mighty legions. On the summit of this grisly mound is a great throne of brass. It is here that the blood god sits and oversees the endless wars in the mortal realms. And we are back. We're back in the blood-soaked veil. The veil between the two realms. Um, more, you know, how interesting can you make blood for the blood god and skulls for the skull throne? And they, and they do it. That's what I like about this. Uh, it surprises me how they're able to keep this stuff interesting. And one of it, they start talking about how you bring, how do you bring, um, the corn demons, demons of across. corn onto the battlefield. Right. Um, and this is one of those that with the change to how you summon them jives more with how the background says you manifest them. It's by places of uh, great bloodletting, uh, devouring of flesh of heroes, taking in their blood. Um, there's a lot of different rituals that all around, and it's not about casting a spell. It's about killing. It's about bloodletting and different places that like coalesce that energy and that death to bring about the bringing of blood of bloodletters or corn demons in general. Yeah, and they talk about you need tons of tons of blood, and they'll start coming out. In fact, I, one of the books I read, one of these Stormcast books. They were just doing all the killing, and there were just puddles of blood, and then all of a sudden they just started emerging from it, you know? Yeah, when Korn's eye is drawn to battle, he may just manifest them on his own to heighten the fight, to make it more bloody, to make it more. Oh, yeah. So he can just do that on his own. If it's a period of great bloodshed and suffering, he can do that. Yeah. Um there's, I, like I said, I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm looking over the page here, just the weird varieties, you know, like you were talking about. If you're, eating, you're the cannibals, they're sitting there, and as they're eating the eating the flesh, uh, and drinking that blood, their brass chalices just start filling up with blood from the realm of corn. And once that's filled up, he just they pour it out onto the areas, and they start coming out. Other groups cut up all their enemies into eight pieces, which you think would distract them from the battle, but I guess if you get good at it. So they mm-hmm. do, they chop them up so all the bodies are in eight pieces, which eight being the number of corn, summoning them in. Uh, also, covering 
uh, slaughtering everyone in the in the area of a realm gate and putting all their blood and guts and junk all over a realm gate can corrupt the realm gate and lead it directly into corn, corn tear it away from where it went and lead directly to corn's realm that way. Um, mm-hmm. Those have to be purified and or destroyed because um, it gives him a direct in to the world. But you can do it. You can corrupt mm-hmm. it and, and 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 mess it up. Um, like you said, it plays now to, or the gameplay matches this lore now. Um, yes, which I enjoy. The more you kill, the more corn it may show up and help you. Mm-hmm. And if your guys are dying, he may show up and help you anyway. If there's enough of you left, because whatever, he doesn't like to lose either. No, yeah. no, he doesn't. So. Um, I like this next section. I want to take a minute with this one because I had fun taking notes on it and stuff, which is uh, the ranks infernal. And it talks about how Korn has his place set up. And I think Korn may have a bit of OCD myself in here. Of course, all the demons, all the, all the demon gods kind of do. They can get hooked up on things and obsessed with them. So, it starts up obviously corn's in charge right i mean the guy's the size of a mountain he sits on the giant throne of the giant uh bunch of skulls he's got a weapon that can just tear holes in reality uh he has eight exalted bloodthirsters in his first host uh these guys rarely take the field okay they're his personal bodyguard the eight bloodthirsters that are there that if anyone gets that close to corn they've got to get through the eight bloodthirsters before he'll even deem himself worthy to stand up and take them on uh they will take the field uh if you had an army with ranks tens of millions deep could you just stop for a second did you hear what i just said tens of millions not tens of millions of soldiers Ranks tens of millions deep. Where is that army? Where are they fighting? What is the size of... I mean, that's insane. Mm -hmm. Think about that. If you're a hundred men across, you're still a hundred thousand ranks deep. And it's something like that. that. That's what you need to bring one of these bloodthirsters onto the field to take the field. Uh, that, that's something that is worth their attention. That's how tough they mm-hmm. are, to bring their army to bear against that. And I'm like, oh, for goodness sake. Now, this, now, now as we start digging into this little Russian nesting doll here, you know, I, you know when I was going to St. Ives, I met a man with seven wives. The seven wives had seven sacks, and the seven sacks had seven cats. The seven cats had seven kittens. Cats, kittens, sacks, and wives. How many were going to St. Ives? Um, sorry, I had to say it. It was in my head, and so it had to get out. Um, but each of the host has eight bloodthirsters of the second host. They each command eight bloodthirsters of their own. Those are the lords of murder. So there's eight exalted bloodthirsters, and then you get 64... Uh, of the second third host of the, of the oh no the second host because eight in the first host so then you got sixty four in the second host then each of those have eight bloodthirsters in the third host that's five hundred and twelve and then each of them have eight bloodthirsters in the fourth host that's four thousand ninety six then eight times that in the fifth times eight in the sixth times eight in the seventh times eight 
in the eighth, which I believe comes to sixteen million seven hundred seventy-seven thousand two hundred and sixteen eight ranked exalted bloodthirsters. There are almost seven. In fact, there are over. What is this? Over nineteen million bloodthirsters in the first eight hosts of bloodthirsters. Um, that's a lot, and each of them is a bit of his essence. And this is where I start; my mind starts to go sideways. Is just how how big is he? Like, and I know it doesn't make him smaller. It's, it's, it's his essence, not his actual physical manifestation. But how big is it that mind? How big is that that consciousness that he can split himself off into this? And this is just his bloodthirsters. Yeah, this doesn't include the letters or heralds or whatever. Yeah, so. I mean, and the letters. I mean, you know, each one of these guys commands an army. And now it's the it's. I think it's the legions of the eighth cohort. Uh, so. You get these guys. Uh, most of the guys who cover the demonic legions are the bloodthirsters of unfettered fury. They, apparently, they're the good ones to send down to the fight, right? Yeah, they're the most common. They're the weakest on the totem pole. Yes, which is why they're the most common. And they're the ones. Those, yeah, those are the ones you want that are sending out and trying to prove themselves and move up. Now, each of these legions. So the bloodthirsters have a demonic legion, and. Guess how many cohorts are in the Legion, Alex? It would be eight. It is eight. And each cohort, each of those cohorts are led by a herald. Now, remember, if we're talking about these guys from the, uh, these guys, all of these that you see taking the field in our games and in most of our stories are from that eighth Legion, of which there are 16,777,216. Each of them have eight cohorts. I did not keep multiplying at this point. Um, each of those has a herald or the bloodthirster of the eighth or higher rank may just lead it him. You know, he might have one of those leading himself. Um, each of the eight cohorts has eight packs groups of demons. No, of blood letters of blood letters. Yes. That's the, the numbers here are just ridiculous. Yeah. That would be like a charnel host, but no, you're right. The, each of the cohorts is, eight packs of demons chosen to support their leader's preferred method of slaughter. So it's eight units of demons. Yeah. But they don't call it units. They call it packs, which I think implies more to their feral nature and the hunting aspect as opposed to like a military regimental unit. Oh, I thought we were just grouping them in two stacks of four by four, like two little boxes and squares and they nicely packaged, you know, like gum. Maybe a maybe like a cinnamon spicy gum, but still. Yeah, but nobody likes cinnamon gum. That's true. Well, I bet you there's someone who does. And they're and, and they're going to go on the Facebook page and let us know how delicious it is because that's what they do. If we haven't caught enough heat for Aquaman, Transformers, Big Trouble in Little China, I <laughs> no, think you we caught can all the heat on the a little fa- bit of hate towards cinnamon gum. You caught all the heat on the Facebook page for Big Trouble in Little China. That was funny, by the way, but it was all eh. it was all in good fun. Um. But yeah, those are all the ranks, and that's what this breaks into. It's just yeah. there's a lot of them, and that's that's just what it just shocks me. 
It's just mm-hmm. liter- the numbers here. The numbers are staggering. I never thought of Warhammer in these numbers. Like I always, you know, you know that when you're playing, even back in eighth when we had the big, you know, the horde units and you'd have 100 zombies or you'd have, you know, 40 or 50 guys fighting uh, with your empire army. And you know that which each one of those guys translates into like at least 10 on the field if you're trying to picture one of these scenes in your head. But I can't. I, I just can't I can't picture I mean that's literally hundreds of millions if not billions of of blood letters mm-hmm. if there's 16 million of these level A's now he's not sending all of them necessarily out at at every turn like they're not always out right I mean I suppose someone will get killed and he won't make he won't re reform them because he doesn't need them right now because there's not a battle going on there or something. Or they just stay in the realm of corn fighting amongst themselves. Sure, yeah. They're just honing their Keeping skills. Keeping their blade sharp. Yeah. And all of this is going on. I mean, th- they st- there are there are times when a bloodthirster of the first rank, the first order, is going out because he is going to face an army tens of millions strong. This is the type of stuff that I have trouble wrapping my head around, and it just I. But I like it because it just means th- that these realms are far more vast than I ever pictured actually in my head. From all the drawings, from all the pictures, from all the maps, it doesn't do it justice. The scale there is staggering. I mean, how many people live in Chicago? Like what? enough. I mean, it's it's millions, you know. I don't think it's ten million, is it? No, no. It's I mean, so picture. I mean, so every single person living in Chicago and all the suburbs lined up into an army, and that's not the size of an army that would attract those guys. But mm-hmm. there are armies of that size. Oh, I'm I'm harping on it because I just it, I kept thinking about it. I'm, once I started doing the numbers, I'm like, this is this is crazy. Yeah, well, you're looking at the numbers, but then with doing uh, the malign portents and Nagash's Great Ritual, where you talk about the skeletons having to walk out to the edge of Shaish and then walk back, when you scale it into that kind of a distance, and now you're saying, this is how many souls would need to be, and this is only one side of the equation where it's tens of millions deep. Oh, that and yeah, and that is true because you think about it. I said, "What did I say?" They have to go around the Earth like three times to go yeah, there to go there and back, something like that. So, yeah. so you think about just how vast these realms are. These are more than just like a singular planet, as it were, in our human understanding. These things are, and they're not even necessarily spheres. Yeah, in but fact, like, some of it we know they're not because there's parts floating above other parts. Right? Huh? I mean, I I knew that, but I just. I don't know. Sometimes when I read certain, it's like, do you ever? Does that ever happen to you? Maybe I don't know if the listeners if it ever happens to you. It's like you're reading it, and some some little detail snaps a sense of proportion in. Yeah, which is something that up until like this book, and then most recently with all the maps, the charting, and the actual perceived distances between locations, we haven't really had a scope of just how big and vast these realms are this is a part of it right is when you think about housing that many people or creatures or wherever where they are 
you just think about that expanse of land you would need to house that many people. Yeah, it's crazy. I like it. It kind of yeah. reminds you of, okay, and I hate to use this reference because, oh, God, Avatar. Do you remember that movie? Do we have to? Uh, okay, I don't know if this happened to anybody else, but I'm watching that stupid movie, and, you know, you got the Navi, and, you know, they're like eight feet tall, right? And you forget that they're eight, eight and a half feet tall when there's just Navi around because everyone's proportionate to themselves, and the human mind just adjusts things to themselves, so then he goes and he tames the bird and he flies the bird and you're like, oh, look, he's flying the bird. And you don't realize how big it is until the, the human army is coming in and those giant helicopter fighting ships. And suddenly the bird guy, he comes sweeping in on the bird and the bird's twice the size of the helicopter. And you're like, damn, I forgot how big that thing was. I didn't realize that it was that big. Um, this It was like that just way more and, and good as opposed to that. But I just it, it's one of those things where... I had a different uh, anecdote, uh, you know, sort of comparison, but we can't tell that one on the air. So uh, I'll tell you later because you'll want to know. I'm just glad we agree that Avatar was not particularly enjoyable. That's a good sign. No, it's not. Although those two rides at Disney were kind of really cool. And the concept and the special effects, really cool. Movie, whole lot of suck. But, it's Dances with Wolves, but not as good. Yeah. And I found it a little too Pocahontas for me, too. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I said, come on, Unobtainium, kill yourself. Get out of here with that. Unobtainium. Are they doing another one? Three. Three. They got three in production. That's why and Disney greenlit it, or whoever's producing it, and now they got the... Like I said, we went, there, we went to Disney this summer. They had... Uh, uh, Avatar Land, and it's pretty dang cool, actually. But, but that's However, what, but that's because we don't have any of that junk from the movie happening. But let's get back to corn. Oh, that would be fun, though. We open up the place and we go through, and you wind up, and boom! Suddenly, corn demons are attacking the Navi. Let's burn them trees to the ground. Get those people out of there. Um, sorry, I'm <laughs> sorry. That was probably rude. I guess there's people out there who don't know any better and like Avatar. I don't want to offend them, so. Hot start, man. We are really going for it. Yep, yep. So um, now well, then they start, the book goes into bloodbound hordes, which is the, you know, the humans, the yes. corn bloodbound. Not, well, as you, as you were ta- tell, explaining to me off the air, you know, the, you got the slaves of darkness, which are the corn mortals who are not bloodbound, you know, like yes. the old, those old, those, those, that, those groups. Um, but then you've got the corn bloodbound, which is the stuff we've been reading since the beginning of this, of this whole saga of the Age of Sigmar. Uh, they come from all walks of life. Um, their job is to kill, 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 and kill some more, and keep the blood flowing. Corn wants blood; he doesn't care. He, if you're going to kill for him, he is probably the most woke of all the gods. He will take anyone from anywhere. He doesn't care who you are, where you come from. Are you willing to swing an axe? Get in line, baby. Um, and the bloodbound almost wiped out the whole mortal realms I mean, on their own. They took over most of Akshi uh-huh. again, almost single-handedly. Yes, um, and all the other realms were sort of on the back foot. And a lot of this had to do with corn. Yes, Nurgle was the one in the realm of life, but when Nurgle can focus on one realm primarily, because corn is just. 
going bonkers. And think about that, all the blood being spilled in all eight realms when you have armies of tens of millions. And and all that blood being spilled is just making him stronger and allowing him to create more demons to go out and fight. Um at least that's sort of the take I get because everything from the beginning of Age of Sigmar, now granted, a lot of the stories were in Akshi in the beginning. Right, because that's where they were the strongest. That's where they were the strongest, but didn't they have the other seven realms? Now, obviously not the not Azir, but the other seven realms weren't faring any better. Well, I mean, Ulgu, you just never really knew about because everything is shrouded in mist. Okay, yeah. Okay, um, and that's not where that Slanesh was kind of going for the most part. Chemon went under the Okazinch, but there's still corn there. Hish, we didn't know about. Um, Gairan, they're in there, but not as prevalent as Nurgle. And then they are in Shaish a lot. Yeah. Um, because it's battle unending because they keep coming back, which means they can keep fighting. Which is the perpetual thing, and it's, now, doesn't it's a whole like that a little less though. Skulls. Yes, but doesn't he like that less? Because yes, he can get skulls, but he can get skulls anywhere. There is no blood when he's fighting skeletons. No, and when he's fighting a lot of this undead. A lot of this undead, he's not getting the blood and from the spirit host stuff. He's not even getting yeah, the skulls. But it's war unending. It is war unending. But I, I think I, I I would think it's a little less satisfying for him. Well, maybe you're making up for quality with quantity. Yeah, possibly. I mean, skulls are skulls, and there's going to be a lot of them there. But, uh, yeah, I just, there's just a lot of fighting. And he doesn't care where you come from as long as you're willing to do this. And now, uh, and in fact, it, you know, as it looked like, and that's, I mean, whenever you read any of this stuff, Sigmar came out just in time because everybody was on the ropes. To the point where there were certain areas that they had wiped out so well that they couldn't, there was no one else to kill. So, of course, what did they do? Oh, wait, you, you're you mortal followers of who? Nurgle? Ah, oh, that's cool. Tell me about him. Yeah, let's walk over there. Oh, the guy turns his back, swap, chop the head off. Um, they did that with all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just, his followers just turned on everybody else. What do you mean there's no one else left to kill? You guys are here. Um, and the other cast gods were annoyed by this. They chafed under this amount of his power to the point, because he was just flagrantly kicking their butts. And I suppose, I mean, from all that we, I mean, but I mean, I haven't been playing as long as you, but. That's been the one saving grace that the humans had on the world that was, was that every time Chaos was about to kick their butts, one of them turned on the other one, trying to get the other upper hand, and that gave us that chance to get rid of all of them. Yeah, and this is the closest that Korn has gotten to dominance of the great game. Yeah. Because there was nothing that could stop them, realistically, within the context of the realms. Um, But then the gates of heaven open. And Sigmar's storm begins. Yes. And and they're excited. They are so excited. Because they're looking around. They've ki- I mean, once again, if you go back to those early stories, the only people left are stragglers. They're picket- These are the weak ones, the ones who hid, the ones who were able to hide the best. Um, that's what's left of, of, the, of the non-demons in these realms. And mm-hmm. suddenly, big, bulky... Heavily armored, heavily weaponed fighting machines show up and attack them, and just the 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 sheer joy 
of a of an enemy worth fighting, and they tuck in, and there are some really good battles. I know that all we seem to have was Stormcast and Corn for the first six months, but they really were setting up. The I mean, they, they, you know, you, you got to set the scene at some point, right? Yeah, and, and for the first part of it, it's the two armies trading body blows, essentially, and just going for it. Yeah, and I mean, who else is going to really stop Sigmar's guys coming in? You know, it was Corn. Corn had most of the places taken. He was the most powerful. These guys came down, and he charged at them, and that was that fight. And and the Stormcast had a tough time of it. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they won because if they'd lost, that would have been it. Then the story's over. But you know, they win. They build their beachhead. They 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 hunker down and they start to build out from there. But Corn was happy to have someone worth fighting. Yeah, and it's a worthy foe, but you got to figure it is slightly perturbing to them because they don't leave anything behind. There's no skull. Which, which, when we get later on to Corgus Cool, um, I, I don't. That's the one big open gap in the story that I don't quite understand. But who knows? He has that blade that changes reality. Maybe he can do something about it. I don't know, but we'll get to that. But now, before we get any any more into like the different characters and the different uh, the different types of units and, and named characters and stuff, they we're, they talk a little bit more about the Path of Skulls, which I know we covered in the last book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, now some people are just born into tribes of blood culture where these people, they go out and they, you know, they're, they're tribes that go out and kill. And I'm assuming there's women and children in there because the tribes are growing. You, you know, you got to have some people who don't necessarily go out and fight, but they serve in other ways. You know, they never drank the blood, but uh, they were a blood culture and they did other things. They prepared, they helped, they, you know, do things. Um, others joined because they see that. Violent, you know, they're they're tough. They have martial prowess, and they see that as a path to power. Hey, uh, just being real good at killing's gonna gonna make things good for me. All right, I'm in. Uh, some people are drawn in unwillingly. Um, those are the guys that we read about in the stories where they basically are like, "Well, we captured you, but you put up a good fight, so you could join us, or we will eat you alive." Eating people that you haven't killed yet. Come on. So then they make them do that. And if they do that and they, they chew on this for a while, and as soon as they do, they're 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 gone. They're part of him too. You can hear it in your head, you can feel it in your pulse. Uh every one of these people, every single person who serves corn is on the path of skulls. Uh blood and skulls, sacrifice this to corn, that's all that matters. Have you killed enough people? Have you drained enough blood? Um, enough brutality, and then then you get chosen for one of the eight trials of corn. Um, I don't think we have all of them listed. I don't have them listed at all. But I don't think we. I don't think the book has explained them all to us, and that's cool. I like to keep you know keep a few in your back pocket. You got all these chambers of Sigmar. Let's have some other places that you know can happen. Um, but there are different trials that different. Uh, types of of corn uh, servants go through depending on their their abilities, and the the, the the ultimate end of this. Once you start on the path of skulls, you ultimately you're going to be dead or you're going to be a demon prince. Mm-hmm. One of those. That's the end goal. Yeah, 
Uh, either result, Corn's happy with either. You make it all the way up to just moments away from Demon Prince and someone takes your head, if their head gets offered, a, that's a worthy skull to offer up to Corn, and he'll take a worthy skull. If you're if you're not good enough to be that Demon Prince, you're going to eventually, hopefully be good enough to be a worthy skull in the, on the skull throne. Mm-hmm. Either way, he's good. Uh, and there are lots of paths to skulls to take based on how you like to do your killing. Yeah. So... That's all the backgroundy stuff um, on Corn's realm and Corn's sort of makeup. Um, why don't we take another break and then we can start talking about some of the characters and uh, the chosen of Corn and that different the different stuff. We've got our space timeline coming up and things like that uh, when we come back. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. And we are back talking the coolest man himself. Korg is cool. Korg is cool. Uh, blessed many he's times by He's a bad Korg. mother. Shut your mouth. I'm just no, talk about cool. He's not. Just not. There you go. Glad you went with me on that one. Yeah. So, uh, blessed by Korn. He, uh, he was blessed many times by Korn. So much so that he was so thankful for the many gifts that he promised to conquer... The entire realm of fire for corn. That's his gig. And he wants the skull of Vandis Hammerhand for the top of his skull pyramid. That's like the crowning thing. That the the if he can defeat him as he came through, he had defeated basically everything that the realm could throw at him and it could be dedicated to corn. So I don't know how he's gonna put that skull on that pyramid. I mean he does have that terror of reality axe that he was given from by corn. Maybe, yeah, maybe um, in the know. first book, I believe that was Warstorm of the Realm Gate Wars. Yep, um, he actually kills what's his name, uh, Jactos Golden Mane. Right, I think is his name. Cuts his head off, and that was the skull he tried to put on top of his pyramid, and then they interrupted that ritual. But now it's Vandis who he yeah. wants to the top of his pile. Gotcha. Um, so. Uh, he's, I mean, he's done a lot. He, there was another story that was in those original, um, 
the original uh, Realm Gate Wars. Uh, Lord Skinskeen of the one of the Demon Prince kind of set him up and betrayed him, and didn't show up and and back him up like he was supposed to, and he lost that battle. He hunted him down and killed him, and mm-hmm. to, and and took over his demonic legion. Said, "I've killed him. I got the power. You guys work for me now." And um, so, I mean, that's that's the kind of power that this that this that this mortal has, in you know, on his way towards demonhood. He actually, if he would have gotten Hammerhand, he was convinced that that would have been it. He would have been promoted mm-hmm. to demonhood. That's how close this guy is. He's very powerful. And then he's got Grizzlemaw, the the. Uh, his accompanying flesh hound. Yeah, his flesh hound. Uh, he is a reward and also a reminder of his purge of the Dire Brand tribe, which somehow he recognized years and years and years and years later by his fighting style that Vandis Hammerhand was the one guy who he went to go destroy and then disappeared in a flash of lightning. The last one standing, the one that he would have been complete. And so his... His... Uh, Wiping out of this huge tribe, which earned him Grizzlemaw, um, feels incomplete to him because he's right. got he's got the uh, he's got the the Chaos God OCD stuff going on there. Yeah, and the chief of the Vanquished Giant Brands is Vendel Blackfist, who then went on to become Vandis Hammerhand. So it's that's the relationship. Yes, for those that missed that part. Um. And he is a Lord of Corn, and he leads the Bloodbound War Hordes, keeping them from killing each other by constantly fighting new battles. Because, once mm-hmm. again, if they're not killing, then, as we learned in the old book, if you're on the, the path of skulls and you don't do enough killing, you're in physical pain. You are yeah, unhappy you're- if you're not killing, and you could turn into a spawn. So mm-hmm. he's got to always find them new battles, otherwise they start killing each other. Which does weed out the weaklings, but still. Um, you know, and a lord will have eight heroes. A lord will have eight heroes. There will be his gore chosen. Um, each of the gore chosen has a champion that leads a war band. So the Lord of Corn has basically eight um, I mean, eight generals underneath him. Lieutenants. Know? or Yeah, lieutenants. Um, and each of them has a champion that leads, leads a, a, a full-on war band. Which I believe would probably consist of eight units or eight groups or whatever, because that's how this book seems to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they never stop rampaging through the realms. They just create oceans of blood and mountains of skulls, excuse me. Um, yes. Because that's what they do. Now, we finally get to the space timeline, and we're getting close to done with the with this, uh, this portion of the review. Um did you have any that stuck out for you? I had a few. Um, why don't you go with your first one? Uh, my first one is Into the Darkness. After littering Akshi with ziggurats of skulls, gore pilgrims from the Iron Horde tribe passed through a hidden realm gate into Ulgu. Though they never returned, blood now seeps from the shadows cast by their bone monuments. I just like that image that they went there once again. Another group that went there and never came back, but that the blood just seeps out through their images. Is that their blood uh, comes out, or are they just on that side killing so much that their images on this end are bleeding since nobody knows what's going on? I liked the 
I like the imagery in that one. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you got? Which one? Um, the one that got me was the first Gore Storm. Um, so I'm a fan of Skull Grinders, and we'll come to that later. Um, so the Chrome Kingdoms were torn asunder by hundreds of thousands of Wrathmongers gathered under the banner of Akor Ragemaker, one of the mightiest Skull Grinders to ever live. Um, so with these guys, five of these things are terrifying enough to play against hundreds of thousands of them. Just Of the Wrathmongers? Yeah. And the Skull Grinder is, what is he, a, the leader of the Wrathmongers? He's, he's the hero okay. that is the closest to them. He's the guy that swings the mighty anvil. Okay, I like those. Those models are cool. Yeah, the model is cool, and I don't think that they get enough credit for what they do, but we'll talk about that when we get to their background. I like them. I was reading through that. I'm like, this is kind of neat. I think this is – I like I like them. Um, yes. I, did you have any others? I had two more. Oh, go ahead. I have Wages of Deceit. The hateful Impaler's War Horde was infiltrated by the fate changer Irak Grillix, who turned the Mighty Lord and his aspiring Deathbringer bodily against each other. The tribe was slaughtered to the last in the infighting, and the Zinchian Lord reveled in his trickery. But from the pooled blood arose the servers, or the severers. Severers. Sorry, the severers, to set upon Grillix with their cruel blades. This is exactly what we were talking about in the beginning. You got you, you took down one of Korn's guys through trickery and magic. And mm-hmm. while you're there reveling in it... All that blood on the ground that was spilled, yep, that's a portal. They're coming back for you. They're sending some guys in. Mm-hmm. And I like yeah. that. The other one I had was the Blood Hunt Rides. That's the other one I had. That's my last one, too. Good. Good. Take it. Uh, so led by the bloodthirster known only as the Hungering One, the Red Tide Blood Hunt swept across the Razor Plains of Gur. The stampede of blood crushers and flesh hounds rampaged through the Orc tribes lying in its path. But none knew the true quarry it sought. So they're hunting something, but they don't know what. They might know, but none, no, nobody else does. Right. Uh, I was wondering if this was coming up to the stories where, uh, where they were looking for the, what were they, the, not titans, what the heck do they call them? God beasts. God beasts. If that might have been leading up to that. I don't know. Maybe they're hunting for Gorka Morka. <laughs> it's entirely plausible. Oh, you know what? That's you're you're right. They totally could be, couldn't they? Mm-hmm. So now, um, we want to switch up the what we normally do for this. Um, we're going to jump ahead. We're going to skip the, the unit entries, the lore of the units, um, not permanently, but we're going to jump into uh, talking about. The, the basic rules for the for the for matched play. Mm-hmm. And then when we get to the unit entries, then we're going to cover the lore and see if some of these units actually play to the lore. And I, most of them do spoilers. I mean, that's kind of how they write them. Um, but do they live up to the lore? Do they do they seem a little underwhelming or do they work properly with it? And then we can start to talk about the different battalions and different ways to play it. But we figured rather than go through all of that and then read all stats and stuff like that, if we sort of combine them, A, it might work a little better and B, it might be a little more interesting than just going through all the stats. Mm-hmm. So um, why don't we jump ahead then to... Do, 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 flip the book, flip the book. It's on page 79. Uh, 
There we are. Also, fun fact, there are 154 pages in, or 152 pages in this book. Yeah, it's not short. Yeah, it's a multiple of eight. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah it's... 19 uh, times eight, 19. yeah. So, I just thought that was a fun little factoid. And I would agree. So oh. Yeah, and then for this portion, we're also going to need our General's Handbook uh, because there are some additional things that they added with uh, the Allegiance abilities for the Blades of Corn. Oh, right, right. So, um, they really only have two battle traits. Um, the first of which is Blood for the Blood God. Um, and ironically enough, the second is not Skulls for the Skull Throne. Um, so your army generates a blood tithe um, during the course of the battle. And you generate a blood tithe point each time a unit belonging to either player is wiped out. Now, when it says a unit, it doesn't have to be a unit of X many models. A unit of one is still a unit. Yep. So you accumulate these points... And the maximum number you can have at any one time is eight. Anything you generate beyond that is lost. So it's kind of like contagion points, but you accumulate them as things get bloodier, as things get wiped out. Um, so blood tithe points you can expend at any point in either player's hero phase, but only once per phase. And to do so, you pick a reward on the blood tithe table. That is equal to or less than the number of points you have and immediately resolve it. When you expend blood tithe points, the remainder are lost regardless of how many you don't use. So you've got to pick one and spend it. Yeah. So if you want that two pointer, but you got managed to rack up four points, well, it's going to then basically, in essence, it costs you four because whatever you buy. Mm-hmm. The rest don't spell. Now, if you summon up units, can you summon more than one unit? No. You can only summon one unit per phase. Per hero phase. No, no, you can summon one or more units from the list below. Okay, that comes into the additional battle trait from the GHB 2018. Okay, which is... Where is that now? Uh, page 98 of the GHB. So you can summon units of corn demons to the battlefield by expending blood tithe points instead of choosing a reward from the blood tithe table. So this is completely different. Um, if you have two or more blood tithe points at the end of your movement phase, you can summon one or more units from the list below onto the battlefield and add them to your army. But the most you can ever have is eight blood tithe points. So you just got to be careful with what you're summoning. So if um, you got to eight, though, you could summon like... Uh, well, you could you could do like a uh, unit of fifteen blood letters and then uh, blood master if you had the eight points. Correct. Okay. Yep. Um, and if you summon any units in this manner, your blood tithe points is immediately reset to zero after the last unit has been set up, and they have to be wholly within twelve inches of a friendly corn hero and more than nine from any enemy units. And they have varying costs for different numbers, but they're all demons, anywhere between two and eight. So at eight, you get a bloodthirster, and then everything down from there is just multiples of the units. Question. Answer. If I have two heroes, and let's say they're about, oh, 16, 20 inches apart, 
Mm-hmm. I can put the unit in between the two of them, right? Because it's within 12 inches of a friendly of hero. A friendly corn hero. You can't overlap like that. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, just does it ma- that that was my question. Yeah, you have to pick the friendly corn hero and then set them up within range of that. Okay. The only exception is the new number 8 on the table. Um but we'll talk about that when we go through the blood tithe table. Okay. Uh, which I suppose to be now, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. These are things. This was originally all you could do before you could summon. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there's, I mean, basically, the the more points you're willing to spend, the the cooler your the your reward could be. I had two that really stuck out to me that I would probably have been using. Um, the spell eater curse. Now on this one, the blood tithe table, you could only originally could only. Can you get more than one? T- you can only get one tithe, right? You only do one because you right. only expend blood tithe points once per hero phase. That's right, so, and that's that's why you can summon multiple units because that's not during the hero phase. That's a separate thing. Okay. Yep. So I liked the two pointer, the spell eater curse, automatically unbind a spell. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be taking that in the beginning of my uh, my opponent's hero phase if I had two points a lot. Yeah. Um, and I also like number four, the Crimson Rain. All wounded corn models heal D3 wounds. So if you're running around with a lot of multiple wound, either characters or a little juggernaut or uh, you know things on juggernauts, things like that, um, suddenly all across the board. I mean, you're not going to have guys who have too many more than three wounds except for bigger bigger characters. Yeah. But D3 wounds on any model. So you could have, I mean, that could be every unit on the board could have some wounds on it and you heal D3 wounds all across. For four points, I like that one. Yeah. Um, there's a couple on here that I really like, uh, and they're not the ones that you went with. Um, so my favorite one is Murder Lust. So you get to select a corn unit from your army, and that unit can move as if it were the movement phase or charge as if it were the charge phase. So it's out of sequence moving, and it doesn't prevent you from doing later in the turn. So if you move... As if it were the move phase, you can still move again in your movement phase and then charge later. So your guys are getting up the field faster. Or if someone's about to do something sneaky and try to get away from you, you can charge them and say, okay, you can either retreat or I'm going to punch you. That is true. Yeah, there's that sneaky counterattack element, that militaristic thing that I like with them. And then the other one is the pop. Apoplectic frenzy. Apoplectic, yes. Yeah, that word. Apoplectic. Um, so you get to pick a cornean from your army, and that unit can immediately pile in an attack, as if it were the combat phase. That's for five points, which is not hard to get. No, not at all. Yeah, those are both good too. I was just thinking of the immediate use of the other two. Yeah, no, especially, those are good, especially for, like, with immediate with uh, those the new spells. Yeah. Cause you're not going to have wizards. Right. And Actually the... you might, but we'll talk about that guy later. Yeah. Cause you know, they're going to be casting those, those, you know, endless spells. Nah, I got this. I got these two points. Yeah. And... The issue is that the spell eater curse doesn't unbind endless spells. It doesn't. Nope. Oh, because it says, after Wizard has cast a spell anywhere on the battlefield, 
So you can stop it, but once it's free roaming, you can't break it. So it's like if you and I are playing and I'm playing corn, uh-huh. you cast purple sun, I can spend two points to unbind it automatically. Right. But if you cast it, I can't break it later with a spell eater curse. No, no, I would say you just something that I was I could see me at the beginning of the phase, I've only got a couple of points. Maybe it's later in the game or it's early and we've only gotten one or two units involved and so a couple of things are dead. And if that's if that's if I'm only at those two points, it's like oh I I could save them or I could just do these two, especially if, like I said, if you if I know you have endless spells, mm-hmm. I'll take the spell eater curse. So I, I could decide when you just when you're going to throw. If you decide to throw that at me, I can, nope, that's done. Yeah. Then at least then then you got to play your game of which spells am I going to cast and try to get him to use that. Mm-hmm. But I just that was I, that's what I thought for that. But yeah, the other stuff, your stuff is really good too. The moving in and charging and stuff. But, yeah, so the other one's on the table just for people to get. Uh, for one point, you get to use a command ability without spending a command point. Uh, that is a change in the DH, in the FAQ. Because it used to be you get to have a character that just gets to use their command ability. Now it's use a command ability. It doesn't cost you a command point. Um, so that's one. We already went over two through five. Uh, six is the Brass Skull Meteor, so you get to pick a single unit anywhere on the battlefield, and they immediately take D3 Mortal Wounds. Um, and in addition, you get to roll a dice for each unit with an eight, and on a four plus, that unit suffers a mortal wound. So, and it's within eight of the unit you picked. Uh, seven is Relentless Fury. So, until your next hero phase, this one lasts the longest, each time a corn model in your army is slain in the combat phase... You can pile, make a pile-in move and then attack with the model before it dies. And you use the lowest line on the damage table if they have one. Uh, so that's pretty okay. For a lot of these things for how hard they hit, being able to attack when you kill them, it's a pretty good return on investment. Um, and then the last one got updated in the GHB 2018, which is Blood Pact. Um, now this one, reading it, you get to set up a new corn demon unit anywhere on the table, more than uh, more than nine inches away from enemy models. They changed that um, because originally that required setting up uh, what do you call them reinforcement points, and that isn't a thing anymore. Right. So you're you get to pick a unit from the blood type table of setting up stuff. And you just set it up during your hero phase. And it can be anywhere on the table. No range restrictions by heroes. So that's one of those things that once you get to eight points, if you've run out of characters, you can then summon something else just by getting up to eight blood type points. Yeah. Because it just manifests on its own. Because Korn says, I need something else. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and then if you set up a character, that gives you a future spot to summon more off of later. Oh, yeah, because you can get, I mean, what is the most, I think four points is the most expensive non-Bloodthirster character. Uh, Yeah, the Blood Throne. Yeah. Yeah, there's one for two, one for three, and one for four. So they're pretty cheap. So 
that eight points, boom, you're at zero, and the next turn you can get you have a, you have a new locust. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can use the uh, exalted uh, bloodthirster, the forgeled one. I forget how many points he is, but he's a lot. Um, but he's not on the table. Oh, like you add to it, but he doesn't qualify for blood pack. I don't think. It's weird. I don't really use him. I don't particularly rank the big guy, but that's just me. Uh, I don't know much about it, so it's okay. So let's uh, let's jump to the next thing there. So that's your blood tithe and your summon and your summoning now, which once again all works based off of how much you kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we got command traits. We're not going to go through all eighteen of these. I don't know. There's no point. Well, I mean, and a lot of them are the same. Twelve. Yeah, but still. Um. You know, you got your command traits, and much like the Zinch in the Nurgle book, you got a corn bloodbound, a corn mortal, and a corn demon list. Uh, many of them repeat, but you get six for each, and you get your basics. You know, um, I kind of. It looks like there's a way you can, if you if you want to pick specific artifacts and specific command traits. Uh, suddenly, heroes and monsters can be worth like two or three uh, command points. Blood type points. Or yeah, blood tithe points. I'm sorry, because um, they all have that you know generate a generate an additional blood tithe point when your general kills an enemy hero or monster, and that's the thing. It just seems like I never know if you want to take those or not. Because like, okay, I got to risk my general, and I got to I got to start throwing my general in against other big heroes. Um, did, did you, or you try to catch the squishy ones, right? If but then you you're spending a bloodthirster to get squishy characters. See, and that's it, right? But then uh, that with the proper artifacts, because they have artifacts that do the same thing for you to kill an enemy hero and you get a, get another. So you can be getting three blood tithe points for a hero if you set this up right. But then my question becomes, do you want to spend your whole trait on the hopes of getting a couple extra command points to summon other things when you could use some of this other stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, now, for the command traits, uh, I don't know what you like. I had a couple from each ones that I liked. Is there anything that sticks out for you that stands out? Uh, the big one for me on corn demons is immense power. Add one to the damage characteristic of all melee weapons wielded by your general, but not the attacks of their mount. Uh, you give that to a bloodthirster, and it's already stupid, and now it's stupider. Yeah, that is really good. It's immense. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess it is. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. For corn blood, bloodbound. Um, as I'm looking through these, if I was taking bloodbound, I kind of like slaughterborn or mark of the cannibal. Mm-hmm. Um, rerolling all your failed to hit rolls is pretty good. Uh, and then, if you and then if your your general kills any models in the combat phase, any enemy models, they get a wound back at the end of the phase. Which you know, out of these, those are those seem the most practical. He's going to be in there. He's going to be killing. Um, getting a getting a wound back every turn isn't a bad thing. And um, rerolling failed hit rolls that's not bad either. I mean, yeah, they, and that's available to all corn generals. Yes. This, well, yeah, Slaughterborn does come up for everybody, doesn't it? Yeah. 
Um, so that's a good one. Um, I do like, uh, you know, those would be the big ones from the Bloodbound. Uh, for demons, obviously, immense power is the big one. Um, and then devastating blow, I've seen some people take. That's what I have. It looks like that could be pretty. That could be pretty good. Um, just sixes to wound is makes it automatically mortal wounds. That's you drop that on a demon a general. I mean, that's that's pretty good. I think the only problem with it that I saw was um, it would have to be on like the bloodthirsters, wouldn't it? Most of it, because most of these other characters, that sword, sixes to wound with their sword, does the same thing. Yeah, and it depends on the bloodthirster. The six to wound with the number six host, that's the guy with the big axe. Oh, right. He does a lot of mortal wounds in a bubble around him. Oh, that's true. Oh, and there's his, oh, I'm sorry, the decapitating blows for the corn uh, heroes is to hit on a six, it's a mortal wound instead of mortal damage. Normal yeah. damage. So you still have to roll the wound for that, right? Or don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah. for the mortal wound? No. Well, a it's six... like a retributor. Oh, a six or more of the blow inflicts a mortal wound instead of its normal damage. So it just automatically does the mortal wound. I got you. Misread yeah. that. Misread that. Um, so maybe that one's not as good. No, for... it's good for bloodthirsters because they don't have it. Yeah, for bloodthirsters it's good. But if you're not taking a bloodthirster, they've already got it. So. Mm-hmm. Except, well, you could take Devastating Blow and then hit and wound rolls of six. Do something crazy. Yeah, turn it to mortal wounds. That could be kind of good. I mean, I know you mm-hmm. like your immense power and stuff. But I'm just saying, if you're not taking a uh, a bloodthirster, yeah. dev- Devastating Blow on a, on a Herald could be pretty nice. Could be, yeah. Um, and then I liked Berserker Lord for the Corn Mortals. You see, I don't like that one as much. Um, I like Violent Urgency a little better. Reroll your oh, reroll your charge rolls for you and uh, any units within eight inches. Oh, okay. Yeah, I went through this and none of it really grabbed me, and I'm like, okay, you know what? These are the, probably the squishiest of the of the Corn uh, characters. So you know. Yeah, any of the Bloodbound Generals can take a Corn Mortal trait because they have the Mortal keyword. So the Bloodbound has access to the two columns. Yes. But I'm looking at that and I'm seeing ways to save my command points. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's a little different now when a reroll charge costs something in everyone else's army. That this doesn't cost you anything. You just have to be on the need of your general. Yeah. Um, and then the next uh, little group of uh, of things. Now, all of the different artifacts now all just fall under artifacts of power. So the demonic gifts, they are part of the list of artifacts of power as well as the other ones. Mm-hmm. And where's my page? Here it is. Um, let's go through this and then take another break because we're trying to keep them sort of regular and not go too long. Um, so there's enough artifacts of power in here to talk about. I think there's about five types. Oh, yeah, there's a ton. So you get your uh, murderous artifacts, which is any corn mortal hero. So anyone who's not a demon, basically. Um, 
And for these, I liked the Gore Cleaver and the Collar of Corn. Uh, I don't know what you think about those. Collar of Corn is just you get to unbind one spell in the hero fa- in the enemy hero phase, just like a wizard. You can attempt mm-hmm. it. It's not auto, but you can attempt it. Uh, and then the Gore Cleaver, pick the hero's melee weapon, and you get a plus one rend, and then wound rolls of six make it mortal wounds. Yep. So um, the- I do like Blood Drinker on this list, so this one is going to sound familiar. Um, you get to pick a melee weapon to be Blood Drinker, blah, blah, blah. At the end of any combat phase in which the bear inflicts any unsaved wounds or mortal wounds with that weapon, immediately heal a wound. You combine that with Mark of the Cannibal. You're looking at healing two wounds mm-hmm. in the combat phase. Yep. That, yeah, that could work really well. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. So then we've got the banners. Did any of the banners stand out to you? I mean, you get um, one if you want one. It's tough to say. Like, the most useful one I can think of is the banner of blood. Which is you get to real charge units or real charge rolls for corn units that are within eight inches of him at the start of the charge phase, but this can only go on a blood secretor, and his big thing is he stands in place, so he's not going to be up near the front line when it's time to use this ability or any of them for that matter, because the bubble is only eight inches around them for all of them. And he's not going to get that close. Ah. Uh, see, I kind of like, yeah, because I, I did like that Banner of Wrath, but you're right, he's not going to get that close because I had the Banner of Wrath written down, but getting him that close. Yeah, I mean, like, the Banner of Wrath is, like, big potential. So that's in each of your phases, you get to roll a die for every enemy unit within eight of him. And on four more, they take D3 Mortal Wounds, which sounds amazing until you have to move this movement four or five guy that wants nowhere to be in combat on the game, like in gameplay. So it seems like counterintuitive. I got, yeah, see, yeah, that's, yeah, I realized that once you mentioned. Well, yes, once you told me the flaw in it, I saw the flaw in it. <laughs> uh, trophies of War. Here, this is for the hero again. Um, this is for the Bloodbound hero. Um I kind of liked these. Um, there seem to be some good ones in here. Um, I kind of like the blood-forged armor, because uh, whenever mm-hmm. I play against someone who's got Seraphon, that ignoring a one-rend is really good, especially against Stormcast. Oh, yeah. Ignoring one-rend is a really great uh, great one. Um, now, I liked uh, several of these, so is there any one that you really liked? I liked Mark the Destroyer. Of course, that's the one I didn't pick. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, so for the mark, you get to double the attacks characteristic of the bear's melee weapons. But if they don't kill anybody in a combat phase in which they attack, um, you lose the model and replace it with a chaos spawn. Because you failed. Yeah, why would you want to take that? Um, okay, so... If you're looking at the most likely guy to get it, it's either going to be a Lord of Corn on Juggernaut or a Mighty Lord of Corn. 
if you're looking at six attacks, threes by threes, Ren one, D3 damage, not including the mortal wound thing, chances are you're going to kill somebody. That's true. I guess that's true. I just shied away from it because of that. Um, uh, the Brazen Rune is uh, is nice if you're worried about someone's going to be chucking a lot of magic at you. Uh, two up to ignore wounds and mortal wounds from spells is not bad. Uh, the Blade of Endless Bloodshed. Pick a hero's melee weapon to be the Blade of Endless Bloodshed. At the end of any combat phase in which he slew one or more enemy models... You generate a blood tithe point in addition to any other blood tithe points. Mm-hmm. So that's actually, not, once again, I kept looking at that. It's like, oh, you got one of these, and then you got another thing where you can get blood tithe points. And suddenly your general can rack up, you know, three three extra blood tithe points a turn. A turn. Yeah. No, there's definitely, like, a good mill here where you can constantly turn up blood tithe points. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other big one on here is the Talisman of the Burning Blood. Yes. Which I think is probably the big one in here. Um, so you get to add one to any run rolls you make for the bearer and any corn unit within eight of them at the start of the movement phase. And in addition, add one to any charge rolls you make for the bearer and any corn units that are within eight of them at the start of the charge phase. And then you combine that with the reroll charges. Um, this guy gets your army moving really quick if you stack it right. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose you could stack that for the movement as well too, just like I was doing for the blood tithe points. Mm-hmm. All right, now if you're only if you're a demon, then you can't take anything we've talked about so far. But now you've got weapons. So, corn uh, demon hero. Um, I like Argoth King of Blades. Yeah. Pick the weapon, and the weapon always hits on a two or more, which just. Um, on some of these, uh, some I mean, some of these guys can deliver so much damage that just almost guaranteeing the hit, you're kind of halfway there. Mm-hmm. But I see you like probably something different. I actually don't care for most of these. Oh, okay, but if you have a demon, if, if you're running straight demons, you have to pick something. Yeah, um, and then there, the big thing is like the adornments on the back. Yeah, um, that's so the next section. That's where I think you're going to see a little more. All right, so let's jump to that one then. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got the collar again. Another collar corn gives you attempt to unbind a spell, which I I just I've seen that used to pretty good effect. You know, especially if you can get a couple of these things in here, a couple of chances. I mean, most people are only chucking two or three spells tops a turn, mm-hmm. unless you're playing really spell heavy. Um, a cup, you know, a, one or two guys with an extra thing like this, and suddenly it's like, oh, now you're not. You're not nearly as vulnerable So I always like that collar What about you? Uh, The two that stick out here Are the Mark of the Slayer So getting to reroll hit rolls Of one in the combat phase for the bearer And all corn units within within 8 inches Of them at the start of the combat phase And if the bearer charged You can reroll wound rolls Of one in the combat phase as well For all For the bearer and all corn units within 8 So this guy just the locus around him just explodes exponentially. Um, oh, yeah. As far as, like, his potential output. Um, and then the other one is the Crimson Crown. I have that one written down, too, yeah. Yeah, why don't you take that one? 
Uh, make attacks with the bearer and any corn demon models that are within eight inches of them. So not units, models within eight inches of them in the combat phase. You make one additional attack with that model for each hit roll of six you make. Uh, bonus attacks must be used with the same weapon and don't generate additional attacks. So you put this on a bloodthirster? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then suddenly the bloodthirster with his... Um, all of those weapons that are doing, you know, D6 damage and stuff like that. You've just turned around and a six gives you another shot at some of these brutal attacks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that I had that written down, too. That's a good one. There are others. We don't need to go through each and every one. Go get the book. It's been out for a year. You should have read them already. Um, yes. <laughs> and then we're still not done. I think we've got what? we got one more. The Blood Blessings. So these are for your uh, priests. All priests mm-hmm. can know one of these. Who Who is? That's basically just the one guy, right? No. Uh, who is it? There's two. There's the Slaughter Priest. Um, there's two versions of that. Right. But the Chaos War Shrine is also a priest. Oh, is it? Oh, yep. and that's not in this. That's why I didn't see it, because I didn't realize that those guys were a part of this. Yeah, if you mark it corn, he is a priest, so he gets a prayer. And uh, which of these do you like? I like them all. Do you now? Except for Mage Main Hex. I don't particularly care for that one. Um, so, just so everyone understands how this works, um, you get to roll a die in your hero phase. It's like the uh, Slaughter Priest prayers. If the result is a four or more, um, you get to get the thing off. And if you slew any enemy models in the previous turn, you get to add one to this dice roll. And if the result is one, uh, you fail and you take D3 mortal wounds. Um, There are five really good ones on here. Um, The last one, you get to unbind an additional spell in the same manner as if they were a wizard. Okay, I know. I like number um, two and three. Yeah, those are good. Um, but if you like, like them all, we can go through them, I guess. Yeah, I like five and one. Okay, so but, why don't you take those? Okay, uh, so number one is bronze flesh. So you get to pick a unit within 16 inches of the priest that they can see and add one to the save rolls of the unit you picked until the start of the next hero phase. With the change to mystic shield, this is the closest you get to what mystic shield was. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that is good. Plus, one of your save, not not rerolling ones only. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff in the in corn that has either a four or a five up save. So getting things down to a three or four makes them last a lot longer, which means they kill longer, which is awesome. Yep, which means you get um, blood tithe points and you can summon up more corn. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is uh, killing frenzy. So you get to pick you know, and then sixteen. Um, and add one to the to hit rolls for the unit you picked until your next hero phase. So some of these high-velocity attacks only hit on fours, but now you're making them hit on threes. That is good. Which is a big deal. Uh, I went with Blood Sacrifice. Pick a priest or a unit within three of the priest. Immediately, uh, the unit you picked immediately suffers D3 mortal wounds, and you gain a Blood Tithe point. Mm-hmm. So if you're short blood tithe points, you can just do this one and lean over to that unit of blood letters. That's that's you know forty blood letters. Take D three mortals. 
Heck, you can put it on your jugger. You know, they've got all those wounds, and then uh, if you got a, a proper bearer, he can come back, or you could, you know, you could, you could put him back with the blood. So it's it's good. Like there's there's a lot of opportunity to just throw a few wounds somewhere because corn doesn't care where the blood comes from. Uh, then there's resanguination. Pick a priest unit within 16 inches. The model you picked immediately heals D3 wounds lost earlier in battle. So a couple of these guys, you could actually be going off the same guy, just just, just uh, doing wounds to him, gaining a blood tithe point, and healing him back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and bracing for you, you don't have to take battle shocks. I think that one's pretty much as useless as number six. Yeah. So, but those are pretty good. And that's the end of those. Um, so... We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back, and we will talk uh, about the units and their uh, and what they can and what those units can do uh, as long as well as their lore. So we'll be back in a minute with that. alike seek blessings of magic to repel their enemies or attain everlasting glory. They beseech the eldritch powers of their people or call upon the chaos gods, hoping that their adulations will be rewarded with powers of witchery. Some supplicants become mighty wizards, gifted with a portion of divine magic as reward for their studied prayers. But none entreat corn for gifts of sorcery, as it is known that such requests will never be answered save perhaps for a visitation by the blood god's hordes. Corn despises magic, for it is the antithesis of martial prowess. Strength, skill, and face-to-face slaughter are the sole tenets of worship that he demands. Those who use magic eschew the bloody revelry of close combat, transmogrifying the battlefield instead of soaking it in gore. Their lives are spent studying ancient tomes and learning obsequious litanies rather than tearing free the skulls of their enemies and offering them to corn as his rightful tithe. The reek of magic enrages the blood god. The flux cairns of the Zinchian Arcanites and the ancient glades of the Sylvaneth draw his baleful gaze, for in such places the aura of enchantment hangs thick. His legions fall upon these sites like predatory animals swarming a lumbering beast. And through their butchery, they smother the redolence with the pure scent of spilt blood. Few draw more of corn's ire than the Seraphon. For these warriors of Azir are magic given form. Even when their reptilian flesh is rent by blades, blood does not flow. Their bodies merely evaporate as their life force flows back to their slan masters.
Okay, and we're back, and we're jumping into all sorts of interesting units and characters in this uh, in this here uh, book. And the first one we come across, of course, are all the bloodthirsters, starting with our friend Scarbrand. Mm-hmm. And Scarbrand, where do I have that bit of information? Um, goodness, hold on, I'm, I'm, I am lost in my notes here. I think I lost a page. It's okay. Um, so Scarbrand was, was, I'm going to use this, was, uh, he was, uh, the most favorite of all Korn's bloodthirsters, um, and he's the kind of guy that went rampaging through, um, and he was, like, this massive bloodthirster, he slew two fellow bloodthirsters in combat and bound their souls into his axes. That is kind of awesome. Oh, there it is. I found it on my page. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, yeah, killing two other and then binding them into his weapons. So it's a bloodthirster wielding weapons possessed by bloodthirsters. Mm-hmm. Oh. Now, uh, he got tricked by Zinch. Yeah, it was his prideful rage. Um, so Zinch got him to uh, take a swing at Corn himself. Um, and it says here, with a defiant roar, he leapt towards the blood god, putting all his hideous strength into a blow that would have cleaved a mountain in twain. However, all that mighty strike achieved was the merest chink in Corn's brass armor. Yes. Which, uh, hmm. There you go. That was a dumb move. And now, basically, Korn just beat the crap out of him, choked him, threw him halfway across the galaxy, uh, and really messed with him um, pretty badly. At this point, I believe when he is destroyed, he has to crawl back on his hands and knees throughout across the entire realm uh, to get home and to get re- reforged properly. Um, it's, it's humiliating, it's, it's terrible, and he is, uh, it's just, it's no good for him, and it, it makes him a much, I mean, granted, he goes bananas when he finally gets his body back and goes back to the killing, but, uh, it's, it's long and brutal, and Korn, much like Nagash, is, doesn't seem like he's ever gonna forgive this. No, he's banished him from the realm of chaos for all time, so he can't even go home. Doesn't he crawl back to the? Does he have to crawl back to the back door of the brass citadel or something like that? Though? No, that's how all failed bloodthirsters go back, but not Scarbrand. Oh, oh, all bloodthirsters who get defeated in battle do that. Okay, but not Scarbrand. He just okay. Yeah, he's stuck, and Corrin just kind of throws him where he needs him, pretty much, or just to cause chaos. And he does an even better job, apparently, being this way because he's so incensed. Um, because he had all the like other qualities of him, he's just now a living weapon, like more than a normal bloodthirster. Yeah, and basically all bloodthirsters are just—I mean—they're the—they're the worst thing corn can throw at you. Mm-hmm. Big, brutal, and that's—I mean—you've seen them. That's what they're. When you look at the covers of these things, you have all these demons. These are the things that tower over it, and they're just brutal. But Scarbrand is. Is the uh, the toughest of the tough of these guys? He's mm-hmm. the one you want to meet the least. He's also the most expensive point wise, 
but for good reason. Yeah, uh, I mean, basically, <laughs> he starts. With, he can go between four and down to two attacks, depending on depending mm-hmm. on how many wounds he has. Nope. No, come down. What? Scarbrand is different. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong thing. What am I saying? Oh my goodness! I am terrible tonight. I stink. Uh, no, he goes the exact opposite. In fact, his attacks go up. As he takes damage. Yeah. As he takes damage. Um, fours to hit, threes to wound, two rend with slaughter, the one weapon. And that's damage three. Carnage Just is... a flat three. Yeah. Um, starting with four attacks, too. That can be brutal. Uh, carnage hits on a four. And if he hits, then you roll to see if you get total carnage. Um, and without being wounded, he does it on a five up. When he is really wounded... Um, he gets to incandescent, and it just happens automatically on a one plus, basically. And then um, for the total carnage, pick a model in a unit. It immediately suffers eight wounds. No saves of any kind. Nothing that reduces it. No Herald and Nurgle's disgusting resilient. No Stonehorn skeleton. There is no escaping the Axe of Wrath. Um, if the roll is less than the results, it does one mortal wound on the target instead. But you just pick a unit, a mo- you can you can pick a specific model too. Yeah, pick a model in the target unit, so you can do your 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 shifty. I'm taking things out to uh, break pick cohesion. Specific things to break cohesion. Right, but that's crazy. If that one hits, it does a mortal wound or possibly eight. No, it's not even mortal wounds. It's just eight it's, straight wounds that you can't do anything about. Yep. Yeah, that's crazy. Also, he's got another rule. He's got a bunch of reroll abilities. Uh, the more wounds he suffers, the angrier he gets, and the more things he gets to reroll. Yeah, there's. When you look at this chart, it's a little weird to look at because it looks at the wounds suffered and what his rage level is. Um, and he goes from angry to furious to seething and rage and incandescent the more damage he takes. But if he doesn't slay anything in a previous battle round, he's always incandescent. So a lot of people that I've come into will look at incandescent and then look to how many attacks Slaughter gets, look how many attacks Carnage gets, but that's not how it works. You just get to incandescent on the chart to spend those points to do those different abilities. So, right, like, but if he's incandescent, Slaughter still has eight attacks. And no, oh, he's not. Oh, it's just for his rage. Correct. Oh, okay. You have to like with his chart. It's kind of like a different scale. You have to look in multiple spots. Got it. I get it. I get it. I I, I was wrong about that too because I was going to say it says he's always incandescent. So let's say first turn he doesn't. Kill anything. Kill anything. He goes to always incandescent. Now, is it always? Is that like the rest of the game? No, until uh, the next time he fights. Okay, so the next round, if he does kill something and he's got no wounds, he's back to angry because he killed and it's sort of calmed him down because that, yes. that makes sense. Okay, so he's got a bunch of things. Like I said, um, uh, reroll charges, reroll hits, reroll wounds. Or no, reroll hits for slaughter. Reroll hits for carnage. Reroll wounds for slaughter. You don't make wounds for car- rolls roll for carnage. So that's a um, oh reroll the carnage roll to see if he does total carnage. So those are your options. So there's literally 
two for slaughter, hits and wounds, two for carnage, hits and wounds, or the if you get total carnage. And then there's the charge this, and then there's one for make a roar of total rage, which pick a unit in eight inches, um, and he gets a die for every level he's at, and every four up is a mortal wound. Mm-hmm. So there's like a lot of stuff he can do here, and the more you hit him, the harder he's going to hit you back. Yep. Um, he's like 400 points. Is he worth it? It seems like he is. It seems like he is. He can do a lot of damage, but the biggest thing is that he's slow compared to the other bloodthirsters because he can't fly. Oh, that's right. So he can only move eight inches, and he can't just go over things. Yep. So he's grounded, literally, um, in Korn's eyes anyway. Uh, so he's a little tricky to use, but the amount of damage that he can cause, if you can make it work, uh, he gets to a bucket of attacks with rerolls. There's just a lot to like about Scarbrand. Cool. Now, we've got three other types of bloodthirsters. They can all fly, but they all have different things that they 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 do. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Unfettered Fury, which actually has a ranged attack, an 8-inch ranged attack. Um, that one has got Rend 1 and can do D3 damage. His regular attack with his axe is 6 attacks. That's Rend 2 D3 damage. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's kind of, yeah, he can do a lot of beating. Um, now, if you hit them with that lash attack and you don't kill them, you can pull them towards you. If it's a hero or a monster. If it's a hero or a monster, yes. Uh, roll a die at, at the end of the of the shooting phase if you haven't killed them with the lash. Uh, and then you could sort of drag them close to you. I kind of like that. That that makes, mm-hmm. that's cool. Um, also, if at the beginning of the hero phase, all enemies within eight inches roll a die and on a six up, they take a mortal wound and they can't move because as he's stomping around, the land is actually shaking and quaking and, and, and uh, it's hard to keep your footing. So if you get too close to him, you might not even be able to move properly. Yeah, you get to half your move until your next movement phase. It definitely messes up your ability to run away. Yeah, which is kind of what you want to do when you get near one of these things. And this is the weakest one of them. Yeah. And then his command ability. um, Now, you use this, and until your next hero phase, corn demons within eight inches get to pile in six instead of piling in three. So it's not bad. Now, did the FAQ that or something? Do we have to use that during the uh, hero phase still? Uh, I believe so. Okay, because it doesn't um, say that you do it in a different phase. Yeah. Now, this one you have to still be eligible to pile in. Mm-hmm. So you have to do it in three inches in order to pile in, but you get to move up to six when you do. Now, you have to be eligible to pile in. Yep. Okay. When they pile it's not in. like a Yeti or something like that. It gets to pile in if they're within six inches. This one, they still have to be able to pile in. They just move up to six. Okay. They can move a little farther, get a bit around the unit. Yeah, and for how big the Corn Demon bases are, because even Blood Letters are on 32s, getting those extra three inches helps get more guys into the fight. Nice. Uh, let's see. What's next? Insensate Rage. This guy has no ranged attacks whatsoever. No. Um, and he starts off with four attacks, which will drop down to possibly two attacks. 
but fours by twos with two rend and d6 damage is pretty good. Yeah, this is the one with the really the big two-handed axe. Yeah. Um, if people don't know the difference in the names. Yeah, if you charge, you get to re-roll those hit rolls uh, if you get a one on them. Now, mm-hmm. um, this is really, I love this. Okay, Outrageous Carnage. So this guy goes and he chops the heck out of things. With that, He's a giant bloodthirster with a just enormous axe. Uh, if you roll a six to wound, all the enemy units within eight inches take mortal wounds. Now, is that for each six? Yes. So for each six that he does, he does two rend uh, d6 damage, and then every each enemy unit within eight inches of the bloodthirster starts off with three mortal wounds, dropping down to one mortal wound when it's really wounded. That seems crazy. If you roll, I mean, granted, you only have a max four attacks, but if you manage to pull off a couple of sixes. Yeah, and his attack profile is deceptively low compared to his damage output, um, but we'll get to that when we start talking about other heroes. Hmm. Um, you want to take the uh, Wrath of Corn? He, he does have a command ability, though. Oh, he does. Oh, that's right. Um on your next charge, you can re-roll the dice when determining the charge distance of any corn demons within eight inches. So he's running in, he's getting everyone else to rush in, and his axe is pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. All right, now this one's the big one. So this is the third host, the Wrath of Corn Bloodthirster. He's got the Hellfire Breath, which is an eight-inch uh, missile weapon. You just pick a unit within range that he can see, and they take D3 mortal wounds. Just boom, done. Uh, then he's got his Blood Flail, which is 12 inches, 3 by 3 Ren 1 damage, anywhere between 6 and D3 as he takes more damage. Uh, so it's pretty all right. Yeah. And then his axe is 6 attacks, 3s to hit, 2 to 4 to wound, Ren 2, D3 damage. So pretty all right stuff. Um so he gets to reroll filled hit rolls for attacks against heroes or monsters because he wants to fight the biggest things. Um, and then he can unbind a spell in the same manner as a wizard, but you get to add two to the result of unbinding rolls when he does it. Oh, nice. Yep. Um, and then the last part is uh, his command ability. You can select a corn demon unit within 16 inches. And that unit can run and charge in the same turn, and you get to add one to its run and charge rolls. So this could include himself. This could include another Bloodthirster. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff that gets stacked onto this guy. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the one with the big axe. I thought he was pretty good, but this one's pretty good, too. I mean, they're all pretty decent. Yeah, they all have their own different uses, and different targets that they want to go after. So. Hmm. And they're all good. I mean, the Incessant Rage and Wrath of Corn, I think, are better than the basic one, but you're also paying more in points if you want to take them. Yeah. Two of them are at 260, and then the other one's in the 300s, and then you've got you've got Scarbrand, who's four. Mm-hmm. Okay, and now we're on uh, Flesh Hounds and Karanak. Now, the Flesh Hounds, 
I mean, we all know what they are. They're basically his hunting hounds. They've got brass collars. They repel magic. Uh, and he sends them out, um, especially to go out and get wizards. Mm-hmm. Because they they can stop most magic coming at them, um, you know it says that they you know it's, it's fun to watch the face of the wizard change and get scared when he realizes all his magic has left him and these things are bearing down on him. They're a bit lizard like; they have scales and stuff like that, but they are basically big, ugly, collared, spiky hounds, basically of some sort. And I mean that's what they do. They move fast. They get back there. They can get in your back lines. They can strike. They got a couple of wounds apiece. Um, you know, that's that's basically that is what they are. Uh, Karanak's actually the interesting one in the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's Corn's personal hunter. Uh, if you come into Corn's main hall where Corn is, and he didn't call for you, and you get a little too far in, uh, Karanak will rip you apart. Um, if you personally offend Corn in some way, like a, you're, a, you know, it's not, it's not like it, when you know he has people to go out after those armies. We talked about that. Um, if you if you are an individual who has earned Corn's ire, he may send Karanak on you. Now Karanak is a, a flesh hound with three heads, and when they described how this works, how he you can't hide from this thing, he's eventually going to find you. I thought it was interesting. The first head starts sniffing, and it senses them, senses them where they are in space, where in the mortal realms, which realm they're in, where are you going to find them in space. The second one is scenting through time, so you can't pull any of that nonsense where you go hide in a different time period. It'll still find you. And the third one sort of um, sends out your thoughts, actually. So let's say you manage to hide in time and in space and the two first heads can't locate you. Your own thoughts, you may you know, inadvertently be sitting around thinking about where you're at or what you're doing. And he may be able to, to pick up that and, and come and find you off of that. Um, other than that, he's a, you're basic, you know, pretty, pretty much a basic flesh hound. But... With the extra heads and all that, he can he basically can hunt, find you and hunt you anywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, I like I like the flesh hounds. I was thinking there could be a use for a couple of units of them. Yeah, especially with the new rules for unbinding spells. Yeah. So, um, I mean, they only got they have four attacks, threes by fours. You know, one damage. They're two wounds. They can move eight though. They got a five up save. Uh, but the collar of corn, this unit can attempt to unbind a spell in each enemy hero phase in the same manner as a wizard, plus one to the unbinding if there's ten or more models in the unit. But I'm thinking just a couple of two, three units of five of these, and suddenly you've got them running back, and you've got three dispels in your pocket. If not more, depending on other characters you take. Right. Um, and you can reroll failed charges. You can reroll failed unbindings if you're near a hero or, or a demon hero. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. I like that they can sort of run this interference as a protector from magical attacks and things like that. Yeah, or they get into the flanks and get the squishy bits that the other guys can't get to. Um, so there's a lot to like about the dogs. I just don't care for the models. Yeah, they're 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 just okay. Well, when you compare it to like Grizzlemaw or uh, what's his name, Riptooth mm-hmm. from the Shadespire band, they just look so much better. 
It's not even fair. <laughs> All right. Um, and then Karanak, he's got five wounds, four up save. He's got the same claws as the rest of the dogs. Um, he's also got his bites from his heads, but he only gets two attacks with his maws, which I found really interesting because he's got three heads. Well, yeah, but the ones with one head get no attacks. So it's the one head is doing the main job, and then the other two heads are getting in attacks. Hmm. Two more heads, two more attacks. I think that adds up right there. Okay. Uh, so he's got a very unique collar. So he gets to unbind uh, like everyone else does. But if he stops the spell, the caster immediately takes D3 mortal wounds, which is pretty okay. Yeah. Uh, and then Prey of the Blood God. So after you set up all the models, you get to pick one hero in your enemy's army to be Karanak's target. And you get to reroll failed hit and wound rolls for Karnak when he attacks that model. So that's quite a substantial bonus, depending on the character. Um, and then he's also got a unique rule, uh, Call of the Hunt. So this one got updated in the GHB to say, quote, Once per game, if Karnak is within eight inches of his quarry, during the hero phase, you get to summon a unit of five flesh hounds and add it to your army, and it has to be set up wholly within eight of Karanak and more than nine from any enemy units. And it can't move in the following movement phase, but it can still charge in the next charge phase. Oh, cool. So, And that used to cost reinforcement points. It doesn't anymore. That Oh, yeah. So that's just, just basically like a, free, it's like a free five right there. Mm-hmm. Nice. Because he howls when he's on his pursuit, and the other dogs come and join him. Aha, I get it. Nice. Now, who do we got next? We've got the the demon heroes, Skulltaker and his buddies. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, let me find them in here. Ba-ba-da. Now, Skulltaker, they just call him Skulltaker, but when he first came out, he originally had a name. And that was? Uzul. Really? Yeah. Zul the Skull Taker? Uzul. U apostrophe Z-U-H-L. Oh, Uzul. Okay. But there was a bit of an issue there. What? Because that's the name of the demon that's bound in the Slayer of Kings. Oh, that's dumb. Okay. Ah, I get it. I see why that doesn't work. No. So now he's just Skull Taker. Uh, Fun little fact. He Not is important. the best of all the Corn Heralds. He is uh, his best duelist. Now, the thing about Skulltaker, uh, you know, he may he may be one of the the most prolific skull getters for for Corn, um, but he doesn't just go for the kill like everybody else. He goes in to incapacitate them. You know, wound them in the arms and legs so they can't get away. Then he grabs their head while they're still alive and just burns it with demonic fire until he's burned it clean and bleached it to a white, perfect, cleaned skull. Uh, and then then he drops it off to, to corn as an offering when the battle's over. Uh, certain particular uh, battles, he made opt to keep the uh, skull and keep it on his cloak uh, as a souvenir. For a particularly uh, good battle, but that's 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 what Skull Taker is. Now the other one, the Blood Masters and the Skull Masters, uh, basically they're they're 
you know, these are the guys who are in charge of the other blood letters. They're blood letters who uh, had some quite notable brutality. And then they get promoted and given a, a blade of blood, which is better than the uh, what the uh, blood letters have. They just have the uh, iron blades. Uh, but these guys are given a blade of blood, um, which is an upgrade. In fact, all the corn, um, I believe all the corn heroes uh, on a six or more with their weapons, it just makes, it's an automatic mortal wound. Isn't that yeah, correct? Yeah, that's the blood letter special rule in general for a decapitating blow. Uh, the Blades of Blood just have a better to hit. Oh, so it's a better to hit, but it still has decapitating blow. Yep. Okay, right. Um, so if you're particularly brutal, you might get a better weapon, uh, might get yourself that uh, Blade of Blood. Uh, and a Skull Master is no different than a Blood Master, except that he's riding on a jug. He's riding on a juggernaut and loves the trample of hooves. That's where he needs to be. Um, I do like how we they uh, they're described uh, later when we get to when we get to them getting their actual juggernauts. But uh, so let's take a look at uh, at these guys' abilities. Skulltaker is deceptively small here. Comparatively, yes. Yeah, uh, three attacks, threes, threes, one rend, three damage. Um, but he's got five wounds and a four-up save, and uh, basically he can re-roll failed save rolls. If the hit roll is a six or more, you know he does, oh, it's three mortals instead of one. So he's got the same thing, that decapitating strike, except he's got more attacks, and they do three damage apiece. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, rolling a, a trifecta of sixes to hit with him um, can really just get brutal. Uh, and you can re-roll all failed hit and wound rolls when he's going after a hero. So, and that that adds to your chances even to hit a six by re- with the re-rolls. Um, and that's it. It's just like he's fast. He can he, he's hard to kill because he can re-roll saves. And uh, if you're near a hero, you're re-rolling pretty much everything you're doing. Mm-hmm. But the mortal wounds thing is is the good part. So uh, you want to take the? Uh, why don't you just take the Bloodmaster? Because the Skullmaster is the same darn thing, except he's on a juggernaut. No, he's not. Oh, so. they're a little different. Um, so they both have the Blade of Blood, which is four attacks, threes by threes, Ren one, damage one. And if they get a six to hit, and this will be common with the Blood Letters too, when we get to them, and they if both have six a six to hit. It's a mortal wound. Yeah, yeah, that's for all the decapitating blow. That's just what the rule yeah. is. Um, so with the Bloodmaster, they have an additional rule called the blood must flow. So after he fights in the combat phase, you get to pick another blood letter unit within eight, and that unit can immediately pile in and attack if it's within three inches of the enemy and has not attacked yet. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. That's huge. Yeah. Because a lot of times you got that character and you're debating, do I want to have my unit try to attack and get some hits in, or do I want to go with my character before, you know, that happens. And a lot mm-hmm. of times your character's only got a couple of attacks. It's like, oh, I need those multiple attacks. Yeah, but now you get to do two activations for one. Yeah. Um, and then the Skullmaster, he's got an extra wound and a little better move. The Juggernaut is three attacks, threes by threes, no rend damage. One. Um, 
He's got Slaughter and Ruin, so he gets to reroll failed hit rolls if he charged in the same turn. Uh, the decapitating blow is common. And then the murderous charge, after this model completes a charge move, then at the end of the charge phase, roll a dice for each enemy unit within one inch, and on a four-plus unit, takes D3 mortal wounds. So hmm. for each enemy unit, not just one. So yeah. if you hit a couple units with a charge, and the Herald has a pretty decent-sized base, you could probably do it. You can try to slam in and do multiple shots. Sweet. Very mm-hmm. sweet. Um, and then you've got blood letters, and this these guys are the... I mean, they're blood letters. They're the most numerous, the most ferocious. They're just the very essence of corn. They are hatred and killing in in encased in a body. Uh, they carry the iron blades, which is that blackened iron. Um, and th- that blade, I thought was interesting. It, that blade is a part of their essence. So the, yes. can't, they can't drop it. They can't throw it away. And it can't be taken from them. It is literally a part of them. Uh, and every time it kills, it just gets bigger, faster, stronger. Mm-hmm. Now, this is one that just kind of gets me. Like, I'm looking at that going, I just look at this and think, this doesn't seem all that great. I mean, uh, compared to a lot of this other stuff in the book here. Um, but I know blood letters are supposed to be pretty decent. I thought. No, they are. Yeah, I it, you just got to get the right mix or something, I guess. Uh, they only got one wound, five up save, one attack, fours by threes, one rend. Um, now, if you you have two different icons, although I would only see myself taking one and probably picking the wrong one, too. Uh, so they have two different banners you, they can carry. And then uh, you got your hornblower. Um, now, your musician in this one, the hornblower, makes enemies within a certain range. They have to re-roll uh, Battleshock rolls of a one, which is really nice because you know you're always looking for that. And it's like, no, you got to re-roll that. You don't you don't get to sit around that that you know that much when we're attacking. They've got the decapitating blow again. Now, the two icons, um, Blood-Soaked Banner, um, every time a unit with a Blood-Soaked Banner kills a hero, add one to charge rolls for the rest of the battle. So if you kill a couple of heroes, you're adding two to the charge rolls for the rest of the battle. Um, I personally am going with the other one. Uh, When you're making a battle shock test that has any gore-drenched icons... You roll a one, reality blinks, and you put D6 blood letters back in the unit. Why would you not take both? You can take... You can take both. You don't have to choose. The icon bearers have either one or the other. It's consistent with the uh, Plague Monk ruling in the FAQ. Because they have choices of multiple... Gear on their command? Right. I misread it again because it says that the the bearer can pick which type it does, but it's not that the unit can pick a type. It's the bearer. And so the bearer takes one type and a different bearer takes a different type. Yep. Duh. Uh, what else? Uh, reroll hits of one if you're within eight inches of a demon hero and plus one hit, an extra hit roll, plus one to your attack space. Or No, add one to hit rolls. What am I yep. saying? One to hit rolls if you got 20 or more models. So then you're hitting on threes, wounded on threes. Or you're doing mortal wounds on fives. 
from the decapitating blow. Oh, that's yeah, that is good, isn't it? Yeah. So many things. This is when I now see this is making me want to play them even more. I'm kind of sad yeah, I sold we, mine. When we get into the bloodbound, um, this gets even worse. Oh, that's right. Because now you can mix them up with those guys that let them. Oh, okay. Yeah. This yeah, one gets and stupid. with some of the other command abilities to get them like the reroll uh, from the different marks from the demon gifts. Um, there's a lot of stuff that stacks on top of these guys that makes them really gnarly. Okay. Uh, why don't we try to... Well, we've only got uh, three more demon things, so let's talk about them. Um, yep. Blood crushers. Blood crushers are uh, blood letters on juggernauts. And that's always a good thing. Now, I am of the... Now, you know, I kept thinking, looking at all these stats, that the... The, the skull crushers, the the um, the mortal ones, the mortal ones were better, um, and they used to be the same price too. And then I kept looking at it, and now um, these are actually more expensive. There are ten points more per per unit than the mortal ones, and I'm trying to figure out why. And um, I think it's because of the the banner. Um, if you roll a one when taking a battle shock test and you have the icon banners, add D3 blood crushers to the unit. So yeah, not, but it can't to go above, it cannot go above starting size. Right. And a lot of times you're only going to start with three, but the point is every time you lose one, your bravery 10, you get a roll and you might put it back. And then you lose another one. Cause I mean, I've been, I've, I've played against them a couple of times. I wasn't killing two juggernauts in one in one in one go that often. Um, and if you can manage that, if you can manage to keep it down, you know, if they're only losing one at a time, and then like I said, I'm just basing this off of what I played with it. But that's pretty good. I mean, and the, the, the other guys don't have that, so I'm assuming this is the thing, the difference that gives them that makes them more expensive. It's the mortal wound output as well. Oh, because that's right, because they've got the hell... Bl- they got decapitating blow. Yeah, and they also have the locust that the Skull Crushers don't get. Reroll failed hit rolls. That's, oh, if you're near within eight inches of a hero. Which and you're gonna, if they charged. So you charge and you got the hero behind Which, why wouldn't you have the hero behind you? Because you're going to have the herald on a juggernaut coming up right with you, keeping that going. Mm-hmm. And then they've still got that murderous charge. When the unit completes a charge, yeah, boom, on a four-up, it's D3 mortal wounds. Six, if they have six or more uh, in the unit. It's D6 if it's six or more. Oh, D6, sorry. But regardless, it's extra mortal wounds, and it says it's a demon hero. It doesn't have to be a skull master. It could be a bloodthirster. So as long as they're within range of a corn demon hero. Yes, that, yeah, I'm they sorry. They get that reroll. Um, now, blood crushers. Now, if you are a particularly vicious bloodletter, okay, um, you may get chosen. And this is interesting. First of all, I found out from reading this that a juggernaut's blood is made of molten metal. Mm-hmm. So the things are the, all all brass and iron, and then actually has molten metal running through its veins. Uh, the blood letters who are particularly vicious are brought down to the Great Stockade at the Brass Citadel, 
and they sit there watching all the juggernauts. I'm just trying to picture a, like a like a pen, you know, <laughs> that's that's containing juggernauts. Um, and then they pick one, and they basically grab it by the collar and try to get control of it. Most of them, most are dead. Most of the guys chosen and brought down there are thrown off their juggernaut, and then they're um, devoured. Uh, but those who aren't are now blood crushers. Congratulations. And they don't really control the juggernaut. It doesn't conform to their will. Um, they are basically, you know, they have managed to tame it enough that it doesn't throw them anymore. And so it just kind of runs where it wants in the battle. It knows where the blood is. It knows where the good killing is. And it goes there. And the blood letter on top is just like swinging his sword at whatever's left. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's very different than how skull crushers uh, wind up with their mounts. So I thought it was interesting that um, if you're if you're if you do your job well, we'll bring you down here. And if you survive being brought down here, then you get to ride the cool juggernaut. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we covered what they do. So that's that. I just I I, I like these different. I like the guys on the juggernauts. They're pretty cool. I like the models a lot. I like the aesthetic yeah. and I like and I like what it is that they're supposed to be doing. I just I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Um so let's get to the demon engines. Yeah. Um you have the skull cannon which destroys everything but the skull when it gets near it. It, it because it'll fight you when you're near it. It'll get into close combat. Um or the you know the 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 blood letters. Oh, and the two blood letters who are driving it around and using it are the ones who actually made it. Mm-hmm. So they're not just all rage and murder. Some of them uh, can contain that cleverly enough to com- to create uh, a, 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 an artillery piece with a demon bound inside it, running around, running around in it. Yeah, because Corn doesn't believe in magic, but he does appreciate artillery. Yes. And basically, it, it you know it gets a, it gets close to a body. It, it absorbs it, you know the body gets inside it. It destroys everything but the skull, which it devours it inside, covers it in a pitch of boiling blood, and fires it back at the remaining enemies. It is sentient, and like I said, driven by the blood letters who created it. So that's the plan. It chews up bodies, grabs a skull, wraps a skull in in sticky blood, flammable sticky blood, and then launches it right out. At, at everyone. Um, and that's part of the rules. That's kind of the cool things of the skull cannon. I just, I'm reading this and I, I it looks like it could be pretty good. And it's not terribly yeah. expensive. No. Uh, so it moves eight, four up saves, seven wounds. Uh, the gun on it is a 30 inch shot. Uh, threes by threes, run to D6 damage. So it does a lot of damage if it hits. And you um, get plus one to hit if the target unit has ten or more models. So you could hit on a two. Yes. Um, and then it has the Hellblades, just two attacks from those. Um, and then it's and, got... And that's okay. with the decapitating blow, right? Because that's the, yeah. the two the two bloodletters who are driving it. That's mm-hmm. their attacks. And then it's got one attack from the Gnashing Maw, four by three, you're in one, damage D3. So if this causes any wounds in the combat phase, at the end of that phase, you get to make a burning skull attack as if it were your shooting phase. So it's an extra shot if it kills something. 
Yeah, it's only two attacks, and it's it's not it's not the best thing it's got uh, on it. But an extra shot of that thing, you know, with uh, threes by twos, possibly twos by twos, two red and d six damage. I just kind of like it. Yeah, and this thing has a purpose in game because then you're looking at it. If you can pick off a character or a small unit, that's a blood tithe point. If you use it aggressively, this thing and this, and you can also use it as polishing off things, like you said earlier. Things might want to run away mm-hmm. or get out of the way, and this thing can just sit there and hammer them. Yeah, yep. a, cu- a couple of them might work. Um, and then the other thing in that kit that you can make is the blood throne, and this is a herald of on of corn. Okay, uh, herald of corn. It's made of silver. Uh, a sliver uh, now. The blood thrones are said to be made from a sliver of brass from Corn's actual throne. Okay, that's why they call it a blood throne and not a blood chariot, I guess, um, because it's a bit of Corn's actual throne. Um, this demon engine is completely uncontrollable by anything other than the Herald of Corn. Um, and what this was is that when this gets forward, <laughs> it moves forward and it's like kind of like a chariot because he's riding in on it, right? And Anything that gets round, run down and ground up under the wheels and stuff, all of that, it uses it, except for the skulls, to heal itself. So this thing can actually heal itself as it's trampling over bodies and everyone's shooting at it and stuff, and it's taking wounds, and then it starts rolling over this, and all the bodies that it grinds up, it can heal itself, with, except the skulls. And the skulls of Coward are ground up as fuel. So corn uh, doesn't want all the skulls necessarily. He doesn't want the skulls of cowards or weaklings. Those get used for fuel. Um, really exceptional skulls are taken by the Herald, actually, to decorate his vehicle as a warning to foolish heroes who might want to mess with him. And the Blood Throne, um, you've got the Hellblades again and the Gnashing Maw, just like we had before. So you've got the Decapitating Blow, uh, blow. Um, on this one, instead of the the gnashing maw doing a success, you're getting to shoot again because it's not a cannon. On this one, if the gnashing maw does any wounds, then you heal a wound back at the end of the combat phase. So if it can do some damage, you can you can actually start healing up the blood throne. Mm-hmm. And uh, other than that, it's got its hellblades, which are the part of that with driving, and that's I mean it's a, it's a de- two de- two more decent attacks. But uh, the thing about this is it's something you can take uh, besides a uh, herald on a juggernaut. You can take a herald on the blood throne. It's still quick. It can still move. And it's an alternative to that with all of your, you know, if you're playing with a lot of uh, uh, juggernauts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's it for the demons. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and so we're going to let's take a break and come back and try to go through some of this bloodbound stuff. Um I'll take the lore and you can take the uh you can take whether or not these things are worth it. I don't think we have to go through each and every little piece on on all of them though because I know we've covered this before when we covered the bloodbound book. I yeah. I know there's changes, but we don't have to go into every great bit of great detail, although there's some really cool characters. So, um mm-hmm. take a break and then we'll come back with that.
Okay, listeners, what's the number one rule of hobby gaming? Okay, well, the number one rule of hobby gaming is don't buy more models than you can paint, but we all break that rule constantly. So what's the real number one rule of hobby gaming? Support your friendly local gaming store. And my friendly local gaming store is Lindsay's Gamer Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. No, not that Wakanda. And no, not that Lindsay. So why Lindsay's Gamer Garrison? What do they have to offer? First, they carry everything Games Workshop. 40K, AOS, Blood Bowl, Necromunda, Kill Team, all the paint line. They even have Black Library books. They offer special discounts every day. And if you do go in there and there's something out of stock, special order discounts that you won't believe. After you buy all your models, feel free to stay and paint them at their fully stocked, totally free to use painting station. And then, once your army's ready, sign up for one of Lindsay's monthly tournaments. That's right, they have a local one-day event every single month, alternating between 40K and AOS. And that's still not all. Monday is Build and Paint Day. Come in on Monday, work on your latest project, you get a raffle ticket. Come in and play Warhammer on Saturday, get a raffle ticket. Now, what's the raffle? Every month, two winners receive a $50 gift card to use on GW products just for coming in and playing and painting and being part of the community. And that's not even all you get for coming in and being a part of the community. Come in for that Saturday gaming where you get a raffle ticket. You also earn a Lindsay's Gamer Token. And when you have eight tokens, you can turn them in and get free entry into one of the tournaments that I just mentioned earlier. And that's why I love Lindsay's Gamer Garrison. Fully stocked with all the GW product you could want, and they're doing their best to reward you for being part of the gaming community. What more could you ask for? A place to play, a place to build, a place to paint, a place to hang out, and a place that rewards you for being there. Folks, if you're looking for one place that will satisfy all your hobby needs, you have to come and see Lindsay's Gamer Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. Okay, and we're back. Here we are doing our thing, and uh, what are we on? Okay, we're on Mighty Lord of Corn. The Mighty Lords of Corn. Um, Lords of Corn are the greatest mortal champions of uh, of Corn's armies. Uh, particularly gruesome to get to be a Lord of Corn. You got to be a real stone killer. And you get gifts of weapons and armor and stuff, but you got to keep killing, keep sacrificing, or your own gold gore chosen may just decide to kill you and take your fancy pants armor. And we already talked about that. Uh, armies flock to their banner, and they're not there. They're not coming for fame and fortune. That's not what they're doing. They're coming there because they they want to kill things. Um, and that is their plan. And that's what a lord of corn basically does he's that guy in the that we talked about he's got his his gore chosen his eight gore chosen around him and he's he is a leader among the bloodbound he's you know he's the corgus cool is a mighty lord of corn he's an exceptional mighty lord of corn but he's still just a lord of corn so uh what about this guys um they are they fit the lore i think i think they they do you know 
They certainly do. Yeah. Um, they have some neat tricks with their command ability, and since he doesn't have to be your general anymore in order to use it, you can get a little more utility out of it. Um, I don't know if I would take him. I think he's a little slow for me. Um, but he does do a lot of good work if he can get in there with the axe. Uh, the possible to auto-kill Nagash is amazing. But he has to get there and do some damage. So I I don't know. He fits to the background very well. I just don't know if I would take him. Yeah, being on foot, only that movement five. That's the problem. Yeah. But he has the reality-splitting axe. I mean, if he hits you with that, he could just take you out. Yeah, on a five-up if he hurts you but doesn't kill you. So he hurts you, doesn't kill you, roll the dice, five up, you get sucked into the Chaos Realm or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you get sent to Korn's Realm. Uh, I mean, it's cool. It's dicey. I just don't trust myself to roll a five. And it's gimmicky. Yeah. But, like, once again, I like that, that, you know, that that explains it. These guys to get these these bonuses, and they're they're the... they're the guys you want to go to. That's a leader, you know? Yeah, and his command ability is really more what you would take him for um, to get your army across the table faster. Mm-hmm. So Now, we're going to go through a lot of the gore chosen here as they go through, excuse me, the different types. Now, Blood Secretor's first. And the interesting thing I found about the Blood Secretor, that's the guy carrying that big, round, corn skull icon. Yes. Um, it... it, it specifically states that they are apolitical because a gore chosen group is going to have some inner group politics working there as they're all jockeying for position. Um, blood secretor, once he becomes a blood secretor, apparently doesn't want to, like he's happy where he's at. Um, they just want to kill and their banners help to tear down the veil between the worlds, allowing all of Korn's rage and his appetite for death and, and murder coming through and infect um, and it can actually get work the blood bound up into a frenzy. So I just think it's interesting that once you get these blood secretors, they're the one guy in the group who's not bucking to become the lord of the group. Who's not bu- who's not bucking to become the new mighty lord of corn and have his own gore chosen unit. They're just like you know what I'm. That's not you know that's not power. I can open up a door from here directly to our Lord's realm, and he can just start pouring crap through it. That's power. Um, And I like that. So how does it work on the table? So essentially what he does is he sacrifices his movement to open the portal, and it does two things. Um, Both sides must re-roll successful casting rolls for wizards within 18 inches in, within 18 inches of him, before you do any sort of unbinding rolls, so you can shut down a magic phase. Um, and then his big one is the Rage of Corn. So this hits all corn units within 18 inches of the model at the start of the combat phase. And when they attack, you add one to the attacks characteristic of melee weapons used by models affected by the Rage. And in addition, players do not take battle shock tests for any corn units within 18 inches of the model. Um, that's friendly or uh, enemy for the Battleshock community. Oh, yeah. Because it just says all, any corn units. Oh, no, it says friendly corn. I changed that in the FAQ. My mistake. Oh, okay. 
this only affects friendlies. Um, this is a huge thing, but you have to be somewhat close to him. So he turns your one attack blood letters into two attack blood letters, which then makes them really nasty. Yeah. Or any of your other guys, like he just his ability just to stand there and plant his banner makes your army exponentially better because it effectively doubles their damage output depending on the unit. And with the uh, well, and prevalence it's all of magic corn units, now, right? So if you've got this against one of those guys that can do D six wounds, just one extra attack can be huge. Yeah, unlike the Bloodthirster with the big axe. Yeah, this guy's standing behind the Bloodthirster, and the Bloodthirster's getting extra attacks because this guy's got a little banner. Like, I mean, it seems silly, but it works. I mean, that's what he's doing. He's literally channeling the rage from Korn's realm here into the into the mortal realms where they're fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, auto-take this guy. Yeah, I actually... Now, th- this stuff doesn't stack, does it? No. No, So, but you want to have at least one... Um, I was thinking, if you can afford it, having two, just having them on each each side of the board. Yeah, to run as like controlling different bubbles. Yeah, because that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of killing potential there. And he's a hero, so he could actually be a place. He could actually be one of the guys that you summon up those units around, which would mm-hmm. make sense. Like game wise, I would love to be summoning them up around the blood secretor as he opens up the realm or is summoning up other heralds and things like that so that there's more places to summon up uh corn demons um mm-hmm. that's really cool with uh with that now um oh i guess we're not getting to all of the the uh the possibilities for the gore chosen cuz we've got uh, a couple of guys in here between them, we got the named characters. We've got our Scar Bloodwrath and Valkia the Bloody. Uh, Scar Bloodwrath. Okay, this guy is all rage and bloodlust and no strategy, no drive for conquest, just bloodlust. He likes to fight bigger and bigger enemies, and that's talking both size and number, uh, until they take them down and then he's reborn. And that's literally what he does. He just fights like crazy for corn. Until they kill him, and then he gets reborn and goes right back out doing it again. And wrathmongers seem to follow him; they seem attracted to him and all the stuff that happens around him. Uh, wrathmongers; those are the uh, the guys with the chain flails, are the those... crazy ones with the long chains with the hammers on the end of them. Oh, right. Are those the guys that if you kill them, then they make you attack your friends and yep. yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Those guys are... We'll talk about those. That seems really good. No, it's better now. Oh, Um, But we'll talk about them when we get to them. Okay. But that's who Scar Bloodwrath is. He's a guy who attracts those guys. He's out there doing tons and tons of murder. Um, How is this guy on the table? He's better now because he has the Slaughterborn ability. So, like, um, after he's been slain, you roll a dice at the start of each battle shock phase if at least eight models have been slain. And on a four-up, he comes back to life uh, anywhere on the table more than nine inches from the enemy. In order to use him before, you had to set aside reinforcement points to bring him back to life. Oh, that's right, yeah. Now you don't have to. So now he's just this character that keeps coming back, coming back, coming back. 
Um, I don't like him. Um, I don't particularly care for the model, full disclosure. Oh, um, I, I don't either. I'm looking at him now just because I try to keep tra- – everything says blood. I don't know what's what. It's blood this and blood that and skull this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's um, one of those – yeah, he came out a while before. Yeah, he came out during the end times um, and just – he wasn't a good model then. He's not a good model now. He's got some interesting rules because like, I look at him and I see Kratos from God of War. Um Oh yeah, which is the character that just swings around the chain blades. Um, so he gets to make a lot of attacks against different enemy units, um, and he hits on twos, moves on threes, run one, damage one. But I, I don't know if I would take him just based on the model, um, regardless of rules. But he's better now that you don't have to pay for him when he stands back up. Yeah, yeah, that is true. And especially if you're playing scenarios where you need to keep your heroes on the objectives, um, he's a good candidate for that because he just keeps coming back. Oh, Can't keep true. him down, man. you got to kill eight models, but it's on both sides of the field, so that's not that hard to do, especially with Yeah, and if you're zombies. not killing eight models a turn, you shouldn't be a corn player. <laughs> and Valkia is still here because she's a demon queen, and of course she's going to be around no matter what world you're on. Uh, I like her story. And she's got a book, I think. I never read it. She does. It was uh, from the old world. Uh, and it was actually a really good read. Um, I do like Valkia a lot. Um, the model is fantastic. And then her rules make her interesting. And her story is just fantastic. Okay. It is. Here is she's one of these leaders of one of these you know, corn-worshipping tribes, right? She is so merciless, so brutal, that her tribe decides her skull would make an excellent offering to corn. Not just not because she's brutal to them, but think about it. She, you know, he likes worthy skulls for his skull throne, and she is the worthiest skull in their area. So her tribe decides to turn around and, and jump her and offer up her skull to corn. Well, she realizes what's going on before they manage to jump her. And after she has killed hundreds of her um, of her people, hundreds of her tribe, they finally get to her. I mean, that's, that's epic right there. She killed hundreds of her tribe's mates who were trying to kill her before they brought her down. And, of course, Korn was impressed, so he made her a demon queen. What's the first thing she did... After she becomes a demon queen, what do you think? I would think she slaughters the rest of her people. Yep, she went back and said, "Oh, Soho, you thought you were clever trying to kill me." Kills them all. These were her people, but you know what? Blood for the blood god. And so she kills them all, and then she goes back to the realm uh, of the chaos realm. Goes back and basically grabs a little part of Corn's realm and says, "I'm in charge here." Um, she's not stupid enough to challenge Korn's rule or anything like that, but she's carved herself a little kingdom out. And uh, if you look at the model, the shield looks like it's got a big screaming demon face on the shield. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's because it is a big screaming demon face. Apparently some uh, demon prince decided to sort of make fun of her and say she'd make a better slave than a warrior. And so she cut off his head and somehow managed to not actually kill it. 
So its still living demon head is tacked to her shield to scream as a warning to other ones who might decide to say something to her that they shouldn't. Yeah, and I believe that was a Slanesh demon as well. I think so. It's figures, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk Valkia. Yeah. Um, for starters, she's small. Uh, she's only on a 25 or a 32 millimeter base. I believe she's on a 32. Uh-huh. Uh, she flies with a 12-inch move, so she can get to a lot of spots the rest of your army can't, like little squishy characters behind the line of scrimmage. Um, so she's at six attacks, threes by threes, run two damage, one with her spear. If she charges, it does D3 rather than one on the damage. Oh, that's right. Um, she, you get to subtract one from any wound rolls that target her in the combat phase. So she's a lot harder to put in the ground. Right. Um, and then her just passive little ability is mortal corn units that are within 12 inches of her uh, get to reroll battle shock tests. But if you fail, you get to lose another D3 as the blood god punishes them. For oh, that's right. Yep. So while it's not a free command, free command point for inspiring presence, it's still a reroll to try to keep your army around longer. But it's a risk because if you fail it, you get punished. I really like her for everything that she does for your army, and then she adds a new tool that you don't normally have with corn, which is the ability to fly and get into small spaces. Oh, that is true. That is that is definitely a benefit. Yeah, because the only things that fly in this book, and then even just with uh, Slaves to Darkness, are Bloodthirsters or Manticores. Oh, okay. So having a small flyer that can get in there and mess something up is a good thing to have. Yep, yep. And what does that bring us to? Oh, the Corn Lord on the Juggernaut. Um, okay, I like the Corn Lord on the Juggernaut. We've had to talk. I like the Juggernauts a lot. Now, th- what's cool about it is the Skull Crushers. Uh, and, and the corn lords on juggernaut. Now the corn lords are gifted. Uh, I mean, but I, I I believe they have to they have to get them in the same way. Like you become a corn lord on juggernaut from being. Uh, you start off as a mighty skull crusher. Is what mm-hmm. I believe. Um, and what winds up happening here is pretty cool stuff. Here's what happens: you are a particularly brutal killer. Okay, and I know we keep using that phrase, but you're you're one of these guys who stands out against the crowd of the millions, if not billions, of corn worshippers, right? And this thing sent like I mean, one of the one of the juggernauts sort of takes gets your scent in his nose, as you know, lots of death happening around you, and it may just leave the pen. Over, you know, at, at, and and come. so if you if you're a fighter, if you're a corn fighter, bloodbound, you're fighting, and you look up and there's a there's a juggernaut looking at you. You have exactly eight heartbeats, and as the as the heart beats, um, like different things run after each heartbeat through your mind. It's pretty, actually, pretty cool. Um, where is it? It says. 
you know, all of this is happening, stirred by the blood scent the juggernaut burst through. Um, with the with some heart, you get a promise, visions of glorious carnage that can be achieved with the two of you together. Um, the next heartbeat comes and shows you all these different things that you can do. But that eighth heartbeat, there's the ultimatum. You either submit completely to corn or the juggernaut is going to kill you right then and there. The juggernaut has decided you would be a worthy, uh, you know, rider, basically. Instead of you deciding, oh, that would be a good horse, the horse decides, oh, that would be a good human. And if you decide, no, I'm guessing they're a little embarrassed on top of everything else. What do you mean you don't want a chance for more murder? You must not be as good as I thought. And then it kills them. So if there's any doubt, once you see this, that you've got eight heartbeats and it kind of shows you visions and you either are all in or you're or you're dead at that point. Um, I love that. I love that that's how they're chosen. And eventually you can become a corn lord on a juggernaut, which basically is just the hero version of the... So you can, if you want to take all juggernauts, this is the hero you take. Mm-hmm. So how good is this? Because I like this. You mind if I talk about this one a little bit? Go for it. One of the few that I actually know. Um, you know, uh, three attacks, threes by threes, one rend, D3 damage. The Juggernaut's hooves are the same on everything. Three attacks, threes by threes, no rend, one damage. But he comes riding in. He's got a shield. Um, wounds or mortal wounds from spells on a four-up. Nope, forget it. Doesn't work. Um, he's still got that murderous charge, the same as the the other, the blood letter or the blood crusher one, the skull, whatever he's called. That's all blood and skulls. It's the, uh, the skull master. Skull master. Thank you. If the model completes a charge and it's within an inch, it's again on a four up D3 mortal wounds within an inch of every unit that he finishes his charge next to. And um, he has got... If uh, if he hit roll sixes to hit with his weapon, uh, the D three doesn't turn to mortal wounds; it just turns to three damage. So yeah, no, that's on the wound roll for the axe. Yeah, if the yeah, that's right. You roll a six to wound, and it it you automatically get the best the best uh, uh, damage, which which becomes a three instead of that. Um, and then the, he's got a command ability. Uh, pick up to three mortal corn units within 24 inches and until your next hero phase, plus one to wound rolls made in the combat phase for this model and any units you picked so long as they charge in the same turn. So plus one to wound is kind of big, especially when, like even this his, this your, your own guy here, a six to wound uh, makes that three wounds instead of D3. Now it's doing it on fives if you pick him as one of the three units to do it with right um and then they did put the faq on this that you cannot affect the same unit more than once with the blood stampede right so, so you're not getting that infinite to wound roll oh you know, that's true yeah i didn't think about that um because you can have more than one corn lord couldn't you too on top of that well you could use this command ability multiple oh, that's times right. you can use command ability multiple times i'm not thinking i was thinking of something thinking of it differently and they're also nine bravery they're one of the guys who have a three up save eight wounds they can move eight they're the corn lord on a juggernaut's pretty good if you want to keep it to mortal uh mortal heroes mm-hmm. um okay now we're on to the death bringers aspiring and exalted 
let me get my uh, info on these clowns. Aspiring and exalted. Oh, uh, now this falls under the next few things we're going to see. These are these are your gore chosen. These are your units that are uh, that can make up your your gore chosen. Um, now your aspiring death bringer is more be- more brutal and survivable than the other blood brown other blood bound. Um, so I mean, we, you know that when you start off as a bloodbound, you're basically running around in in leather pants and no no armor. Um, and so if you if you can survive that and you get really good at it and you just you you're gonna you're gonna live no matter what. Um, these guys are butchers. Their body count alone is earns them respect among these other guys. And these are your aspiring deathbringers. Now. Eventually, they become exalted Deathbringers. By the way, um, there's always got to be at least one exalted Deathbringer in a Gore Chosen unit. So if you've got your eight Gore Chosen, because remember, you've got a Lord, and he's got eight Gore Chosen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of them has to be an exalted Deathbringer. Like, Lore-wise, at least. You have to have one. If the, right. if the Lord of Corn is killed... By his enemies or by the exalted Deathbringer. The exalted Deathbringer is the one who steps into the new Lord spot, and then he will upgrade someone from the Gore Chosen to exalted Deathbringer, and then replace whoever got the promotion. But uh, that's uh, that's the difference. The aspiring Deathbringer are sort of like these are guys that have got some respect and get brought in. They are low men on the totem pole. They are exceptional killers, but that's about it. And then it flicks over to the Exalted Deathbringer, who is the second in command, basically. So um, should we go through some of these real quick? I don't want to go through all of this stuff. A lot of this stuff already existed. What's like? Let's try to highlight these guys because, I mean, they're all different, but they're, I mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's start with the easy ones, the Aspiring Deathbringers. Uh, these guys... They have some pretty mediocre attacks, but that's not why you take them. Uh, the big one is the command ability on both of them uh, for the Aspiring Deathbringer. So if you use it, you get to add one to the tax characteristic of all melee weapons used by mortal corn units while they are wholly within 10 inches of any friendly models using this command ability. This was updated with 2.0. Oh, so there's um, 10 inches instead of 6. That is better, isn't it? But it's wholly within 10 inches. Okay. So you have to be up in the Grizz with the Deathbringer to get this command ability. So do you go... Um, oh, okay, wait. Yeah. All right. Because before, you could just use this guy and string units along back from... Right. Just to pop his command ability, um, but you can't do that. You have to be wholly within ten inches of him in order to get this ability. So he effectively controls just a small bubble around him. So right. he has to be up in the nitty gritty. <laughs> yep, and that, and that's how you prove yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So it plays a little more thematically. Um, and then he's got some interesting rules. Like if he flees, he if uh, things flee within range of him, he gets to pile in an attack again. Um, or uh, he gets better if a corn hero dies within six inches of him. Yes. Depending on the version of the aspiring Deathbringer. 
Um, so, I mean, again, you're mostly taking them for that command ability because it's amazing. Um, the Exalted Deathbringer, his command ability is cool. It's another one of those bubbles uh, where mortal corn units within 12 inches of them get to use his bravery of 8 instead of their own. Um, and if there's somebody nearby, you can do D3 mortal wounds to them in order to bump that range to uh, all units within 24 inches from mortal corn. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I was reading these too, and I said, you know, I like the aspiring Deathbringers better than I like the Exalted ones. Yeah, the Exalted ones have a neat ability, so if they're not the general, they get two extra attacks uh, with their weapons, but I don't know if I would take one. I mean, they're cool. Like, the one with the spear is one of the coolest models in the range. Uh, yeah, and but, I, I actually really like that ability. I mean, that's like a foot of Gork uh, on, on a tinier scale, you know? Yeah. Um, the impaling spear, you, uh, you know, stab the guy, and then boom, suddenly, if you can roll high and keep rolling high, he keeps taking mortal wounds as he slides down the spear. That's awesome. Yeah. No, it's a great, flavorful rule. Um, but I don't know. No, I think if I'm picking, I'm picking Aspiring Deathbringers, personally. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, um, the Exalted Deathbringers, they're the first ones that don't, sort of don't live up to their, to their lore. I mean, they do. They're brutal killers. They want to, like, shine next to their generals, but they get better if they're not in charge which I think they're trying to prove to themselves and prove to Korn that they can be in charge. So they get more vicious. So like thematically sure, but just it's underwhelming, I think is what it is more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, we got slaughter piece, uh, slaughter priests, skull grinders and blood stokers. These are the rounding out the, uh, the units here. Yeah, the rest of the gore chosen. Yeah. Um, um, the, the, so, oh, lore-wise, I was just going to get this real cool. Uh, Slaughter Priest, those are the guys that, I mean, they came out, they had one of the guys in the, because uh, uh, in the, uh, it came with a white dwarf. You could get the, like the alternate version of him, right? Yeah, you got the free one with the Hackblade and Wrath Hammer. Right. And where, one did, of the white where did the first one come from? Uh, he came out after uh, the first one, after the initial box set. Oh, that's right. So you could just buy him, but then if you bought yep. that that white dwarf, then you were like the first people who could get the uh, the other version. Yeah, and they've since brought him into like start collecting box and individual sale. Yeah. Now this guy literally manipulates the blood. Talk about blood for the blood god. Um, he is a priest, so he can get one of those priest rules. But he can uh, it's like start like, sort of inflame the blood of his warriors. I mean, almost literally almost inflame the blood of his warriors and that just gets them worked up and incited to more slaughter. Um, now he can also turn this around on his enemies where he just keeps increasing this, the, the, the temperature and, and, uh, and getting them the, that burning blood as well, except for him. If he does it to his enemies, he does it until their blood boils in their bodies and they drop dead. Slaughter Priest is kind of cool, actually, and the model's pretty cool, too. Yeah, both of them are great models. Yeah, they're great models. 
Uh, we'll just hit, hit the lore really quick so we can finish through these guys. Um, skull grinders, those are the warrior smiths. They forge the blades for the war band. That's the guy that swings the anvil as a weapon. I love that model. Yes. Skull grinder is, is awesome. Um, he's one I kind of want to take in the, I don't even know if he's good in the army. I just want to take him because I like the model. I would do both. Um, he's <laughs> not amazing, but for me, what I like about him is he's the power behind the throne because he's not just a smith to make weapons because everything is a weapon to corn, including men. So he is shaping the Lord of corn. Oh, that's true because he will fix up his armor, won't he? And or he's also guiding him to more prodigious acts of slaughter or to achieve certain quests. Interesting. I hadn't so thought about that. So he's kind of like a spiritual guide, too, because he's not just creating weapons. He's creating weapons out of the men wielding them. Aha. Uh-huh. I like that. I like that That's a lot. That's why I like the Skull Grinder. That's cool. Um, they feature prominently in uh, the Black Rift from the Legends of the Age of Sigmar and uh, Spear of Shadows. Oh, um, there's okay. a Skull Grinder as one of the primary uh, antagonists. Oh, cool. I need to read that still. Uh, and then finally, there's the Blood Stoker, and he is the guy who keeps the rank and file blood bound, fired up, and killing. And I hate this model. <laughs> He's not the worst, but he's not the best. Okay, and I hate the drawing of him in the book even worse. Like, what is with his hand? It looks like he got part of it taken off, and he's got a weird, like, pointy, bent-back spatula thing going. I just don't even see it. But he doesn't have one hand. His one hand is replaced with the the triple whip. He's got that weird look on his face. He's kind of all fat and weird looking. He just doesn't look like corn to me. He's a different idea of corn. Because whereas an aspiring Deathbringer can control an axe or something, he's using the army of Bloodbound as a weapon. Yeah, but he still looks like a putz. He does kind of look like a putz. I just don't. I mean, I think I think I like the Scar Bloodwrath model better than I like that. I I even think I like these. Ooh. It's possible. I just don't like mm. it that much. Um, I definitely like the uh, Bloodthirster models better than that, and we haven't talked about that. These Bloodthirster models, they're very intricate, and there's a lot of detail, and if I ever play corn, I'm definitely going to buy one. But talk about just weird sculpts. I don't want to go... I don't want to get too... I mean, Scarbrand looks cool standing there holding the two... the two uh, axes. Axes. But then you got unfettered fury. But none of them, like, they're supposed to be running, but they're kind of almost straight up and down, which is not the angle you'd be at if you were running. And they're, I really, like, leaping? Kind of, except they don't really look like two of them, or at least the unfettered fury doesn't look like he's leaping. It looks like he's supposed to be running. Um, the other guys are leaping, but, man, if you're leaping into battle, like you're jumping up and attacking your enemy, right? Look at the picture on 64 and 65. Insensate Rage should have that axe up over his head. Like, he's leaping into battle, but he's not pulling back for a swing with that. He's just holding it there. It doesn't make sense. And don't get me started on the Wrath of Corn Bloodthirster, who is supposed to be leaping. And once again, not only doesn't he have his arms back into a, a position that looks like they're actually striking, it looks like he's just holding the weapons, 
But the position of the chain for that flail axe head thing that he's doing, he's not really swinging it. It's just kind of flopping around. Like it does, it doesn't have that. Like it doesn't look like it's in motion. Like this is a model that should have so much motion. This is a, a whirling, spinning, jumping, flying, kicking, killing machine, and they just seem static to me. They are. They are. Okay, so I'm not crazy. No, and how they attach in the air bothers me because it's just by that little bit of flame off the hoof. Yeah. That just seems like prone to bad news happening. Yeah, I mean, Scar Bloodwrath is dopey, but at least he's just... I mean, he's got a, the same problem with those weird chains that seem to be going in odd directions for the where his arms are. And he's sort of in a jumping-off position almost, too. Not much better than the... Than the uh, than the you know the than the bloodthirsters, but uh, at least he's got the cool stylized armor and stuff. Something that's interesting on it. I just don't. I don't like this other guy. He's a dunce. That bloodstoker. He just. I, uh, that's it. But he's amazing on the table. Yeah. So let's go over this stuff then. So um, we've talked about all the lures. Let's hit these guys. Okay. Any uh, order so- you want. The, we'll just go in order in the book. So the Slaughter Priest, he's amazing. Um, he's got two prayers, and they're the same thing on both versions. Um, and it's a four-up to get it to go. Uh, so for the first one, you pick a un- an enemy unit within six within 16 inches, and they suffer D6 mortal wounds on a four-plus. That's so good. Now, on or a, on a three-plus if you killed something in the previous turn. Oh, that's right. And on a one, uh, you take D3 mortal wounds because Cornish judged you unworthy. But that's yeah. never going to happen because you roll so good and that guy's so awesome. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, and this is a very unique element, is blood bind. So you get to pick an enemy unit within 16 inches that is not within three of any of your units. And that... All models in that unit must run as far as possible towards their nearest unit as if it were their movement phase. So this is pulling units out of command ability range. This is pulling units out of cover to then you get to surround them and fight them on your terms, whereas you otherwise wouldn't be able to. And then he can unbind a spell in the same way uh, as a wizard. So, because he is the scorn of sorcery, because it's corn. Uh, he's a utility control piece because you can stack these up if you really wanted to pull somebody away from their friends to hit it twice. Hmm. And then it gets even better because, like, how before, like, corn abhors sorcery, but the one wizard I really want to put in here is a Bray Shaman. Really? He has the bloodbind as a spell. Okay. Oh, so you could double down. Triple, if you take two slaughter priests and a bray shaman. Oh, because it's a prayer, it's not a spell. So you could really pull somebody out of position does it, um, to then oh, get punched. Does it stack? Can you use it against the same unit? Why not? Hmm. Doesn't say you can't. Oh, that's right. It has to say you can't now. Yeah. So you can pull somebody out of position in a pretty substantial way because the devolve on the Bray Shaman is an 18-inch range. 
So he gets to pull him a little closer, and then you have 16 inches on the blood binds. Now, here's the thing, though. So they got to be within 16 inches and not within 3 inches, and then you roll and you run. What are the odds of them not getting within 3 inches of another unit? Like, can you... you well, I mean, you can't keep using it. I mean, how many times are you going to use it on the same unit unless they're way away from everything? They're well, if they're to... 18 inches away. Okay. So then you get your unit. You're going to run them. So they roll up a six, let's say. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt here for this. And their mm-hmm. movement's five. They, so they're jumping 11 inches already. Yeah. Uh, but what if you roll a one? Well, if you roll, yeah, if you roll a one, I, yeah, I suppose it, you wouldn't move as far. That's true. Or if you need to reach out and grab squishy characters to bring them away from their friends. Oh, that you're hiding them. in the back. I see what you're saying. You kind of get up as close as you can. Um, but you'd still be the closest unit. And I, well, I'd probably still pull them out of, out of way, wouldn't it? you get one or two shots at it before then they've reached close enough. Yeah, but if you have like a front-running unit of something faster like Flesh Hounds... Mm-hmm. You get to pull them to the nearest unit, which could then be the dogs. So you have some manipulation of where they can go if it's taking them off towards some nowhere part of the board. Oh, that's true, because you could have the, the, the hounds be 12 inches away, and then they're go yeah. trying to move towards it. You're pulling them out. of the... Okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I really rank the Slaughter Priests. The great models. Rules are awesome. Um. So, and let's move on to the Skull Grinders. Um, now, he's kind of underwhelming initially. Um, so, for him, you get to add plus one to the bravery for all mortal corn units that are within six inches of him. Okay, that's not bad. Um, but if you kill a hero or monster with his anvil, which is two attacks, threes by twos, run one, three damage... Um, then all mortal corn units within eight inches of him are blood blessed for the rest of the battle. And if you make an attack roll of a blood blessed model that is four or better, then you get to make two wound rolls rather than one. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So if you get all these things to work, the skull grinder can make your army a lot better. So that's why the Slaughter Priests are so important, to get those heroes or monsters within range of this guy. And then you combine a Blood Secrator on there, so so he gets three swings with the anvil. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, there's some interesting combinations that really make this guy potentially devastating. Um, So he's pretty cool, and he's pretty cheap, but that's okay. Uh, the Bloodstoker, it doesn't matter what his combat stuff is. Uh, the big thing is you get to pick a corn unit within 12 of him, and until your next hero phase, you get to add three to all run or charge rolls for a unit that's been whipped and can re-roll wound rolls of one for models in that unit. This is where Bloodletters get silly. Because it just says a corn unit. Okay. So... You hit them with the Bloodstoker Whip. You hit them with the Rathacorn Command Ability off that Bloodthirsters, so they can run and charge and add one to the run or charge one and and add one to the run and charge rolls. So suddenly those Blood Letters are running across the table, turn one and charging, turn one. 
Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oof, that's crazy. That's really or good. if you wanted to whip a bloodthirster, who then moves twelve with a run, then a charge. That is good. That's really good. Yeah, I played against uh, Mark Ramzik. He's uh, one of the guys from Milwaukee, using a blood council with a blood stoker, and just using bloodthirsters as heat-seeking missiles, essentially, because they get across the table so darn quickly with just one blood stoker. Oh, that's dumb. It's awesome. Yeah, and it's any corn unit, and with the new Beast of Chaos Battalion that lets you run corn beastmen, they get marked corn, so they get the keyword. So you get to whip them, and they get to run and charge on their own. Oh, so now you're adding three to that as well. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it's fun, ain't it? I like that. All right, you know what? we got to take a break. We've been going for a while. Let's take a quick break. Uh, and then when we come back, we got seven last units to cover. And then we can talk some battalions and wrap up. So we'll be back in a minute. favored weapon. Heavy, brutal, and ideal for lopping heads, the axe suits the Blood God's warriors perfectly. It is unsurprising, then, that when Korn gifts one of his followers with a weapon of power, it will nearly always be an axe of Korn. The precise nature of these fell weapons varies dependent upon the whims of the Blood God and of the demonic smiths who forge them. One axe might be a black, spiked creation of living brass that screams as it devours the souls of its prey, while the next may be a bone-fanged horror that rips holes in reality, or a twisted blade that flickers with demon fire and sets its victims alight at the slightest touch. Others still cause living wounds that rapidly grow so that the slightest cut will tear a warrior in half. Whatever its form, an axe of corn always bears the blood god's rune, and contains the bound essence of a raging demon. Such a blade must be fought and mastered at all times, for it will take the life of an unworthy wielder as easily as those of his foes. And we are back talking the rank and file of the corn bloodbound hordes. Now we did cover this mostly in uh, in in when we covered blood, cor- you know the the corn bloodbound, the bloodbound before. Yeah, 
So, and I mean, some of the, oh, yeah, I mean, I don't think Korgoraths or Skyline and Grim have changed all that much, have they? Or have they gotten super better and I don't realize it? They got a little better and you haven't realized it. Okay, great. So then why don't we just do this? <laughs> There's um, only a couple of things that are significant. Um, the first of which is that Bloodweaver's got a save now. Um, the previous version, they didn't have a save. Now that's they right. Well, you kind of almost have to with this stuff because of the the changes they did to everything else. You kind of need to make sure they give these guys at least give them a save. I mean, it's Griffons still have a dash. Yeah, just but just like to point yeah. that out. No, that's true. But <laughs> are you saying that a Griffound is tougher than a than a Blood Reaver? I don't know. I'm still not taking the Griffound. Um, All right. The two big ones in here that are really worth mentioning are Wrathmongers and Korg. All right, let's uh, let's first actually. Talk, let's first talk. Uh, you know, let's do the Korgorath and Skyla. It's out of order, but let's do it that way since those are the ones that are jumping up and interesting. Everyone knows Skyla Anfergrim's story. We're not doing that again. He was a guy. He you know got, became almost like a spawn, and he became like the craziest, toughest, um, uh, you know, mutation of a spawn basically that was ever was. Um, I think I got that pretty much right. I mean, that's isn't that basically what he is? Yeah. And then he's kind of like an inspiration piece because he finds all the best fights so people follow him to the best fights even though he's not really a leader. Yeah, he's a good omen when he shows up. But he yeah, he's the, well, he was the one like general in this uh, that you could not have him as your general. Yep. Because he won't lead. He's just a crazy killing machine. Um Mhm. And then the rest of the uh, the Korgoroths. The Korgoroths got popular. They came in that the first starter set. And um, they had those weird heads. But yeah. they ran around eating skulls. That's what they like to do. They would kill things and eat their skulls. And they would keep eating them and keep imbibing them to the point where they would distend and, and be malformed and misshapen where you can see the skulls pressing from the inside against their skin and they would just keep doing this until it had stretched and pulled so far that they were literally about to burst open and then they just run back to Korn's realm and regurgitate all the skulls to you know to give it to him good good dog like you know like when your puppy brings you a dead rabbit um <laughs> And then it's like, plarg, oh, oh, here's all the skulls. And then Corn's like, good. But then, of course, he's starving again because that's his, cause these things, these Korgoraths, their little curse is that they are always starving for skulls unless they're gorged on skulls. But then they gorge on skulls and then they can't keep them all inside because it's about to kill them. So they go and give them all the corn and puke them all up. And then they're starving again. They got to go back out. Mm-hmm. And then what of this? No. So what about the Korgoraths? In the Skyla. big thing yeah. uh, from version one to this book is they now two damage a punch on their claws and fangs. They used to be one. Oh, okay. So it makes a tremendous difference in their damage output. Oh, cool. That's really it. And anything about Skyla we need to discuss? Uh, he's tricky because of his extra pile-in move. He can pile in up to six inches and can pile in over enemy models. And he does not have to go towards the closest enemy model. He just has to end his move within two inches of more enemy models than before he started. Okay. So he's one of those weird control pieces that he can hop around and get to things that you wouldn't normally be able to get to. Oh. 
But so there. I mean, do you, are you taking them in your list, or are they just? I'm better? taking Corgrass for sure. Really? Yeah, it's a rend damage. Uh, they have a lot of wounds with a four up save, and their damage output is proper good. All right, cool. I want to mark that down as something to consider since I I don't think I have one though. I think I sold all that stuff. But it's something worth knowing. Can you get them? Are they available to just purchase individually? No. So you either have to get them in the box set or you have to get them on eBay? Yes, unfortunately. Aha. Okay. That's the biggest limiter to them is that they're hard to get a hold of. That's just dumb. Agreed. All right. And so then we've got the... uh, Who should we go with? The Wrathmongers, the Skull Crushers, or the basic characters? Uh, let's do the Wrathmongers, because those are the funnest things here. Uh-huh. Yep, yep, yep. All right, so the Wrathmongers. Let's, where's my... Uh, these are berserkers with those wrath flails. Um, even other Bloodbound stay... Uh, they, they, they give these guys the, sli- the side eye. Um, they've been through the trial of the brass cage, and now their veins are full of not blood. Their veins are full of this something other, and they sweat this non-blood out, and it turns to mist around them, and everybody around them loses their minds. These are the guys who you would send up, and then you'd, you'd send them up against those Tree Lord Ancient, and the Tree Lord Ancient would kill one of them, and it's like, okay, now I get to take control of you, and I get to attack something with you. I'm going to attack you with you. And the Tree Lord Ancient would kill one or two of these things in a round, and then it would kill himself in the process because he would go completely mental from the uh, from this blood mist that comes out. These are the guys with the totally red skin, right? Because like they're if you painted them that way, yeah, because like it coalesces on them, right? So uh, they are the, just the concept is scary. Um, there's stories in the other books about them going in and the battle being won, like everything else but them are dead, and then they get attacked by the army, and a couple of them die, and then the blood mists out from them, and then the enemy gets so incensed with you know the rage and the and the desire to kill that they just start, kill themselves. They start killing all of their friends, and then those people jump in trying to stop them, and next thing you know. These guys are still. These guys are walking away, and this, mm-hmm. they and this whole army's dead. It's like, oh, that's so cool. But how do they play out on the table? Okay, these guys are amazing. Um, they do have a lot of attacks. They get to add one to their hit rolls when they charge. They're normally four attacks, fours by threes, run one, damage one. Um, but that's really not why you take them. Uh, the big thing that they do is that any all models within three inches of a Wrathmonger get to make one extra attack with all of their melee weapons, and it doesn't affect the Wrathmongers. So your dragon, which normally has maybe three attacks with its jaws, now has four, um, and this will play into the next part. So it seems like it's a double-edged sword because you're getting attacks if your friends are near you, but then your enemy is getting more attacks if they are near you. So you can play these guys defensively or offensively, depending on how you want to use them. Uh, the other trick, and this is the really nasty part, and we've already alluded to this. So every time a Wrathmonger is slain, uh, they get to pick 
an enemy model within two inches of the slain model, so that's important, and immediately attack with the enemy model as though you controlled it. And it can attack its own unit or even attack itself. And you cannot pick uh, the same model twice to do this. So if the Celestine Prime drops in and punks one of these things, and he's got like seven attacks with Galmaraz, suddenly those seven attacks go right back on himself. So potentially auto killing the character. But this is each time a Wrathmonger is slain in the combat yep. phase. So if I lose three Wrathmongers, I can pick three different models within two inches of them? Yes. So it's just one model, but it's with so whatever's yeah. So this is one where you're gonna be taking models off at the front, definitely. Or at least strategically. You definitely don't right. want these guys like in weird spots, you definitely want them in a line or in a bunch so so they can get within two inches. Hmm. So you have to be careful with how you place them, yeah. And that means you also have to be careful with wound allocation because you have to continue to allocate to the same model until it's slain. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. So you, And they got three wounds apiece. You got to make sure the guy you're putting it on is going to be in a position to do something about it. Yep. Um, Now, these guys in AOS 1, you could shut them down because in AOS 1, you didn't have to attack if you were within three inches. You were just engaged. You didn't have to swing. Oh, that's right. With AOS 2, you have to fight now. So, yeah, because you throw these guys against guys that you have trouble beating and let them beat themselves to death. Yeah. Or they can go into scores of little guys, because they do have a lot of attacks um, that do decent damage. But you throw them into the big thing that you normally can't handle, but that guy could just say, you know what, no, I'm not going to attack because I don't want to kill myself. Now you don't have a choice. You have to attack. Huh. Which then means when you kill one, because you will, they only have a five-up save with three wounds. If you're biting on them with a dragon, now you have to punch yourself. <laughs> Merry Christmas. And by the way, when I die, you get that plus one attack profile, or plus one to all of your attacks, even when I'm dead. So you get to do four bites on yourself with your dragon jaws, or eight attacks with your dragon claws, or heaven forbid, your Archaeon, and you slay our kings yourself. Nice. Very nice. All right, and then we're on the Skull Crushers, which is the ones that I love the most because this is what makes up the Brass Stampede. Uh, And we already talked about the eight seconds that you've got to check these guys out and to choose whether you want to be them. We talked about their lore. Um, And I've played against them. They're pretty good on the table. They are good on the table. Um, Very good. So they got... uh, No, it says they can... um, they can have blood glaives or ensorcelled axes, and if you take the ensorcelled axes, I think then you get a shield. Oh, no, no, they you always, get, you always shield. get the shield. Get shield. Okay, so then, okay, so the difference is basically: do you want to hit threes by threes with no rend or fours by threes with one rend? Because everything else is the same. Mm-hmm. So that's your choice. Um, 
the nice thing is this: you got it. It's 140 points, and you take a unit of three of these guys, and you always put a musician and a standard bearer. Um, plus one to run and charge with the musician, and plus one to the bravery with the standard bearer. After this unit has slain an enemy model and soaked their standard in their blood, it's plus three to the bravery instead. So they start off at bravery seven with a banner, and they jump up to nine as soon as they've killed something. Uh, Any wounds from spells, roll a die and a four up. You ignore it because it's a spell. And this also has that murderous charge that the other ones had um, that we've already talked about. Once you get up close and you you complete a charge on a four up, you're doing D3 mortal wounds to any unit that you stopped right next to. Mm-hmm. And I like it a lot because there's all sorts of things you can do with it. And that's all the units and all the stories. And they're very similar. You know? It's all rage and, and, and these guys who are particularly brutal get promoted. And you're thinking, wow, it seems like everybody's particularly brutal. That's how they all get but then you go back to that what we were talking about earlier, that there are millions and millions of them. That it's like oh suddenly it's like, oh, that might be a little bit more that might be a little bit more uh, more of a um, elite crowd than than I expected. Yeah, um, and like we could go back and talk about the Blood Warriors or the Blood Reavers or the Skull Reapers. Um, oh, that's right, I forgot about them. You want to just kind of grab? I, I thought we were done. I totally got excited. I'm sorry. No, it's cool. I mean, we've talked about them before. They haven't really changed. Um. The Blood Warriors are the, like, quote-unquote, rank-and-file elite infantry. The super elite infantry are the Skull Reapers. And their job is they have to claim eight skulls a day at least. Oh, that's um, right. Otherwise, corn takes them. Um, and they will cut their own head off and offer their skull up rather than, than, uh, than fail, even though that might not be eight. Um, the Skull Reapers, those are another set of models that came out early. And yeah, they came out with the end times as well. And they um, have um, they have the huge armored pants, and most mm-hmm. of them have not too armored uh, upper just, bodies. They're just goofy. These are just goofy. Well, I mean, so are the Wrathmongers, because uh, they're made out of the same kit. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I think it looks different because they're supposed to be like mindless berserkers, uh-huh. so they can get away with it. These guys are supposed to be like the elite hard edge killers, and they look kind of silly. Yes, they do. But and- it's okay. They're cool models. I think they have like potential, but I, don't know, I think you need to take a lot to support them, whether that's a stoker and a secrator, uh, to get them the rerolls that they need, and then the... Uh, Lord of Corn to give them the plus one to the to wound roll. I think there's just a lot you have to do to a Skull Reaper to make it that's, as good as some other things. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's there's a lot of there's a lot of work and extra units involved to make it do stuff. So I don't know. I just I'm not a fan of the models, and I, I not wasn't a fan when I was reading this of what they what they are. That's just me. Hmm. All right, so that now that is all the units that we've covered, and that still doesn't cover, as you pointed out, that you can take slaves to darkness and mark them corn, and they can also be a part of this army. 
and the yeah. yeah and the beast of chaos you could mark them corn they if you can take a mark of corn you could be a part of this army you could bring in the um the Varengard. they can take a mark no. of corn they can't i thought they could i thought they they are unmarked when they start and Archeon, when he uses his command ability for the first time or actually when Archeon uses his command ability he marks them when he uses oh, the command ability oh so no then he can't you okay. can take them as an ally as ever chosen, but you're not going to be able to ever mark them unless you take Archeon as your general. Which you can, because he's corn. Okay. Well, there you go. That's that, I guess that's that. Alright, should we talk a little bit about some of the battalions? There's a bajillion. Yeah, and, there are a ton I, of battalions, I don't not including... This- the ones from the starter kits. And those ones, they are, are they pointed and in the in the no. GHB? No, they're not pointed in the GHB. Nope. So the ones in the starter kits. So we're going to talk about them at a later date, but everything we're talking about is not something you could take to match play. Am I correct? No. What we're about to talk about, you can take to match play. Oh, but I'm saying the ones in the, in the, getting, the three getting started kits. Yeah. So those are all just fun and games. Well, that's fine. So... Now we're talking match play, so when we cover those starter boxes, we'll talk. We can talk more narrative play with those. Yep, yep. All right. So how many are in here? There's one, two, three, five, seven, nine. Please tell me there's sixteen. There's twenty-three, which is one short of twenty-four. You got to hope, right? Yeah. No, I was thinking it would be two, but it's not. Um, they're split pretty evenly between demons and mortals for mm-hmm. these. Um, I have a few that I thought were cool that I really liked that I thought we could talk about. Um, you know, uh, just ones that stuck out to me. Um The murder host just seemed sort of like a, a sort of basic. Uh, if you have eight units, every hero phase. If you take eight units and start it off, you get a two d six move at the start of the game. If you're within eight inches of a hero, and you can get that every turn if you're within eight inches of that of that hero. So you're not going to fit all eight units around him, though. Is the only problem. Unless you took a large hero, because a bloodletter hero could be um, the throne. The throne. Um, they did make some changes in the FAQ. Okay. I don't know if you're referencing that. I don't know if I am. So it's I... after setup, but before battle starts, roll two d six. Each unit from this battalion within eight of the battalion's bloodletter hero, and more than three from any enemy units can move a distance equal to the roll. They cannot run or move within three, um, and the distance to the hero must be measured before any of the moves are made. Um, and if the murder host contained the maximum number of units at the start of the battle, then they can do you it can use turn. this ability again at the start of each of your hero phases as well as after setup. Wow, so you could do it at setup, and if you go first, you can do it right away at the hero phase. If you have the maximum number of units. Yeah, see, and that's what I was realizing. That's for getting your stuff across the board 
super fast. The only problem is, like, well, I mean, it's blood letters, blood crushers, skull cannons, you know. Um, if I'm taking this and all those blood crushers, you know, I might be taking a different battalion. Um, yeah. Let's see. I really liked uh, both the Brass Stampede and the the Blood Thunder Stampede, which is the the demon version of that. It's kind of the same thing almost, yeah. isn't it? Well, they're a little different. Um, I think, hold on, let me just check. The, the, it does the D3, the Blood Scent. Oh, no, I think uh, it might. Uh, is it the same? No, it is exactly the same. Except you have to take eight. You get To get the maximum out of it, you got to take eight units of blood crushers. You only have to take seven units of skull crushers. Not certain why that's the the diff, what the difference there is. And now I'm confused as to which one I, I should do. The brass stampede seems like a lot of fun. Um... But the rules are exactly the same, and as we already said, the there's a little more expensive. But the the blood crushers get to bring stuff back and have that the uh, mortal wound output with their blades. Yeah, um, the big thing that I can tell is just the choice of general. If you want to take a skull master as your general or a lord of corn as your general, as long as he's on a juggernaut, right? Um, the big difference is one of those has a command ability, the other doesn't. Oh, um, so the the Lord has the command ability. Yeah. Oh, that is a bonus. And he's a little tankier. He's got some immunity to spells. See, maybe he is worth it. And uh, what's the... I think they're both uh, the same... Pr- oh, no, wait. The Blood Thunder Stampede is twenty points cheaper, but their their units are ten points more expensive. So it winds up being about fifty points more expensive, I think, if you go with the exact same number of models and units. Um, yeah, um, and then with the Blood Thunder, you have to take a Herald on a Juggernaut. With yeah. the Brass Stampede, you don't even have to take a Lord of Corn. I don't know why you wouldn't. But you don't have to. Oh, I didn't even notice that. You don't have to take a Lord of Corn. You just take all the Skull Crushers. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, oh, you know what? That might make things worse. I was working out some point costs on things. Let me look at that real quick. Uh Oh. Oh. Let me take a... Another look, points wise, that changes a few things in my in my notes here, though, mm-hmm. um, because the brass stampede, it's a hundred and forty points per unit, and if I max it out at seven, because I want to get the max right, mm-hmm. so I've got seven times a hundred and forty, and then plus the two hundred, that's only eleven eighty for that and for that battalion without the without the guy now with and the only reason i'm saying that is i could take oh it'll work i could also take the blood hunt battalion um and this is what i was looking at this is what i was thinking of before and i didn't think it would work but then you pointed that out 
Um, if you take the corn blood hunt, you get a wrath of corn bloodthirster and three to eight units of flesh hounds or blood crushers. And I was thinking if you just took your three units of flesh hounds and the wrath of corn bloodthirster, you can take both of these battalions, make the wrath of corn bloodthirster your general. You've got two battalions. And on this one, uh, you know what? Hold on. We didn't even talk about what you get from the other, from the, from the from the brass stampede, so I'm getting ahead of myself. I apologize. It's okay. I'm yeah, getting excited. Like- yeah, because this is the stuff that I was trying to figure out, and I thought it looked really cool. Um, so should we talk about what you get in the brass stampede? Yeah, because it's the same as the blood thunder. Okay, so yeah, both because this is either one you want to play. So you get all your units of skull crushers, and we've already said what they do. You got a banner, and their um, the, the 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 brass stampede. The banners plus three to their bravery once they've killed a model. They're getting plus one to their charge because they got a musician, so they're charging a little an extra inch. Um, otherwise, if you're taking the other one, it, the only difference is they get to put more models back. Um, so here, on this one. Roll a dice for every enemy unit within three inches of the brass stampede. And this is if you take the maximum number of units, so you got to take all seven. Oh. If the brass... Oh, do you have to take the Lord of Corn to get this? Because that would be the maximum number of units. So you do, so you couldn't double them down. You'd have to take that Lord of Corn with it. Roll a dice for each enemy unit within three inches of any units from the brass stampede. In your hero phases, on a two or more, they take D3 mortal wounds. So in your hero phase, if you're just next to them, they're still stepping on them. Yeah, and this, just for reference, these rules also apply to the Blood Thunder Stampede. Right. Because they're the same thing. So I wouldn't get that and get the two battalions if I took the the, the Lord of Corn. The, the max Blood, the max uh, Right, and then I don't know if I want to take that in there. We'll talk about that. Um, Also, if... uh, Oh, if either army has a unit wiped out, plus three to their charge rolls, which makes it plus four total. Mm -hmm. So they're charging at a plus four. They're already fast, and they're already moving. And then the last one, if you use the murderous charge ability... Within three inches of another brass stampede, so you keep them next to each other, you're charging them in. You don't roll the dice, it automatically does your D3 mortal wounds at the end of your charge. So you're just doing D3 mortals as you clump these guys together. And if you happen to have a unit with six models uh, uh, or more, then that does uh, D6 wounds. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that uh, it's, it's just so good. These guys just come charging up in a line. You know, 21 of them. Seven units of three, and you're keeping them all near each other. So they're hitting there, and once they finish their charge, boom, D3 mortal wounds. And then, oh, it's the hero phase. Guess what? Oh, going to do some more mortal wounds because they're still stomping on you. It's It, it's, it can get vicious really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my favorite out of here. So, you know what? Let me talk about Blood Hunt really quick and see if it's worth it. If it's worth losing that on a two plus, in the, um, you can take enemy units within three inches and do D3 mortal wounds. Um, so, with the Blood Hunt, uh, when Corn marks a victim for death, the Blood Hunt will not stop until their skull belongs to the master. After setup, pick an enemy hero to get the blood mark. 
At the start of each of your hero phases, you can roll two die for each unit in the blood hunt that's not within three inches of an enemy and move it uh, and move the unit being rolled for up to the total distance toward the hero with the blood mark. So basically, if you're not engaged, you roll dice and you can go after you can go after that hero. And then the other thing, those that have displeased corn are fated to die beneath the claws and blades of the blood hunt, plus one to any wound rolls you make for models from a blood hunt while attacking an enemy hero. If the if you have the maximum number of units at the start of the battle, then you can reroll failed wound rolls you make for models. Yeah, you wouldn't get the maximum if you were combining them. Maybe it's not as good as I thought. That's definitely not worth taking this, not worth losing those D3 mortals from every unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just thought it's another way to get that you could fit it, squeeze it in, and get a, get yourself another battalion. So you yeah. have more 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 choices, more picks, and three units of flesh hounds is three dispels. And you'd have another one built into the wrath of corn bloodthirster as well. Yeah, so that's so have four. Yeah, so that's actually not too bad. Um, all things being equal. But then you're at two thousand points and you've only got one hero because you didn't. Yeah. yeah. So you know you can't do it. You can't take it. It's not going to work. Yeah. No, that's just dumb. I am no. See, I'm dumb. Okay. Well, I'm not dumb. I just didn't realize you had to take that thing. So forget I said anything. But those were the ones I kind of liked, um, and I liked it because you can get a bunch of those a bunch and a bunch of those uh, th- those collars out there. Because shutting down people's magic phases, once again, we've got a lot of magic floating around in the meta with the uh, with the endless spells, and getting chances to dispel is always good. Um, what do you like in here? There's you know a couple other things I looked that might be good, um, but anything else in here that stood out to you? I have three. Okay. Uh, the first of which is the Council of Blood. The Council uh. of Blood. This three one is three to eight bloodthirsters. Okay, and what do you get for taking all these bloodthirsters? Because that's not cheap. No, it's not. Um, so how this works is in each of your hero phases, you pick one bloodthirster from the council to pile in and make attacks. So you're attacking in your hero phase. Uh, can one um, of them be uh, uh, Scarbrand? Yes, because you're looking for the bloodthirster keyword. Okay, just making sure. Of which he has. Um, so if that bloodthirster either kills an enemy hero or monster or wipes out a unit when he does so, you can pick another bloodthirster from the council to pile in and make attacks with. And you continue to do so until all bloodthirsters from the battalion have attacked once in that manner or if one of them fails to slay an enemy hero or monster or wipe out a unit. And then you get to do everything else again in the combat phase. Um, that in and of itself is amazing. If you can roll high and you can get them to do their job and kill units. But even just getting free attacks from a bloodthirster in the combat phase is a good deal. Or in the hero phase. You mean the hero phase. Or in the hero phase, yeah. Um, That is really good. I just was looking going, oh, I'm not taking three bloodthirsters. I kind of glanced past it. No, I'm totally taking three bloodthirsters. Um, And then the (laughs) last, last ability in this one got changed in the new FAQ, uh, Lords of Battle, each bloodthirster from a council of blood can use the command ability on its war scroll once in each of your hero phases without spending a command point. What? 
Yeah. So wait a minute. They each get to use their command ability for free. Yep. Oh, that's so good. That is really good. For a hundred yep. for a hundred and fifty points. Plus at least three bloodthirsters. So but that's what two the minimum seven eighty. Or two sixty, yeah, they're two sixty for the cheap ones. So seven. yeah, I mean, I'm probably gonna take a wrath of corn and two of the insensate rages, the big axe guys. Okay, um, a wrath of corn and two insensate rages. So what are we what are we looking at here? We're looking at um two sixty for the two insensate rages. That's five twenty plus the buck and a half. Makes it uh, six seventy, and what's the other? Where's three twenty? So what did I just say six seventy? So you're looking at nine ninety. Yeah, so half your army is three models in a battalion. Yeah, but those three models are just going to wipe everything out, and they can pro- and they can grab objectives. Yeah, and hold them because in- each. Well, the thing is, you can you get an artifact for free, and then you get a battalion, so you got another one. So you have two artifacted bloodthirsters running around, if not more, if you can squeeze in a third cheeky, or second cheeky battalion. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. Oh, heck, you could uh, do the blood hunt. Could do that to get another bloodthirster, so you'd have, like, four bloodthirsters on the table. And a bunch of flesh hounds just running around. That's... Yeah, and there's your battle line, too. Or, or... For even cheaper, um, let's see. Did you look at the Gore Thunder cohort? Oh, the skull cannon one? A blood throne and three skull cannons? Yeah, but none of that is battle line. Oh, that's right. You need some battle line. Yeah, you actually need, need an army. Oh, that's right. Oh. Well, that's no fun. Yeah. Um, so that's the first one that got to me. Um, and then the other two are in the Bloodbound section. Uh, the Blood Forged. Like, I know some people look at Skull Grinder and say, oh, he's not worth it, but I think they're one of the coolest things they have in here. Um, so this one is a Skull Grinder, two to four units of Wrathmongers, and one to three units of Blood Warriors. So that one also makes up the number eight when maxed out. Just fun stuff. Oh. Um, so when you make save rolls for units from blood forged in the combat phase you ignore rend unless it's two or better and we've already determined that we like ignoring rend one yes absolutely and it's only in the combat phase so you're still going to get shot to pieces but once you get in there you're going to survive a little longer and then their last ability the uh infectious bloodletting so Roll a die for each enemy model within three inches of a Bloodforged model at the start of each of your hero phases. On a roll of a six, you can immediately attack but not pile in with all the melee weapons of the enemy model being rolled for as if it were part of your army. So this is, if you kill the Wrathmonger, you get to hit yourself. But if we're in the hero phase and I just roll a six for your model, you just get to punch yourself then and there too. Oh, okay. Huh. That is pretty good. Yeah. Um, is there anything in here that says you have to use the maximum number of units? Nope. 
Okay, because that's that's about twelve sixty. But if you want to take this with that other battalion and you cut back, you could cut back on some of your some of the wrathmongers. Because I took four. You can cut them down and cut out about one hundred eighty to three hundred sixty points off of that. So you can get it down to about eleven hundred. So you were saying the other one was what do you say it was nine hundred? Yeah, nine and change. Yeah. Uh, so then you can get the skull grinder, uh, the three units of blood warriors to get your battle line definitely. And then, depending on what you have left, probably two units of Wrathmongers, uh, two units of five. Yeah, I mean, Blood Warriors are cheap, because you only have to take them in units of five. Yeah, they're 100 points a pop. Yeah, so it's 300 points of Skull Grinder. You can probably get three units of Wrathmongers if you really wanted to. It just depends on the cost of everything. But probably, probably two, now that I look at the math. But that's all you really need. So a Council of Blood and a Blood Forged. That's actually three, four, teen. That's 29 models. Yeah, but three of them are Bloodthirsters. Three Bloodthirsters, a Skull Grinder, 10 Wrathmongers, and 15 Blood Warriors. Yep. <laughs> and each one of those Bloodthirsters is an artifact. And I'm going to keep the Wrathmongers right behind them, so this way they get plus one attack on all those glorious melee weapons. Oh, that's dumb. I yeah. like that. I like if that. If you wanted to. I mean, I don't know if I would run the two of them together, just because I I play with full-on armies, but... What's um, a full-on army? Yeah, I prefer a little higher model count, though. Um yeah, but, but if you I got, you got three bloodthirsters. You don't. Army, you don't. You don't get a big model count with three bloodthirsters running in the front. Oh, you could. I mean, you could, yeah, because you still got a thousand points left. You could take bodies upon bodies if you want to take your cheapy stuff. Yeah. Um. Now there was a couple of things I thought in here that were interesting. Um. Let's back it up. I looked at, yeah, the Gore Thunder Cohort. Uh, the Gore Thunder co- Cohort, I know I mentioned it, and the thing I like about it um, is the bonuses you get to the stupid cannons is, so you got one Blood Throne and three cannons, right? Um, but you can have up to eight. So in each of your hero phases, D3 Skull Cannons within eight inches of their Blood Throne can shoot like it's a shooting phase. If you have the maximum number of units at the start of the battle, which you wouldn't because you can't, you, you, that you'd have all these cannons and like three, you know, three battle line units. You also can't take that many. They're artillery. Oh, that's right. You can't take that many artillery. So that's just kind of silly unless you're playing narrative play. Correct. So you have the blood thrown three. So then the rest of that, it says... Uh, all skull cannons within eight inches can shoot if it's the shooting phase. But yeah, D three skull cannons are shooting in the hero phase, and then they shoot in the shooting phase. And if they do any damage in the combat phase, they're shooting in the combat phase. So that's kind of why I like that. I'm like, this stuff is shooting a lot, and even if it misses sometimes, that much shooting um, is going to get get the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have another one? Uh, the other battalion that I really like is Gore Pilgrims. Uh, this is a battalion that's been getting a lot of play since the book came out. Okay. Um, so for those that aren't familiar, it's a Blood Secrator, two to three skull, uh, Slaughter Priests, one to two units of Blood Warriors, and one to two units of Blood Reavers. 
Um, and the big thing for this one is that the priests in here get to reroll their prayer attempts, which makes life a lot easier because a four up is a little tricky sometimes, but getting to reroll is a big deal. Uh, and then the other one is on the portal of skulls. So when the blood secretor opens the portal, if he has for each slaughter priest from the battalion, he has within eight inches of him, he gets to increase the range by six. So if he has the two requisite slaughter priests within range of him, when he pops the portal, it's a 30 inch bubble. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, so he can, he doesn't really have to move to then pop his ability, but then the priests are in the back. So you may still want to move it, but then you're going to dominate the field with a 30 inch bubble around him. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, I've had it used against me a bunch. Uh, it's a really good battalion. I really like it. Um, there's one that, uh, when I first looked through this, was totally under the radar. And in the past two weeks, I think this might have become a much more valid battalion. And that's the Skull Seeker host. Um, have, you, have you looked at this one? or? or are, I'm a little familiar. Okay. So you get a Bloodthirster of Incense at Rage, and you get the Bloodmaster Herald, which is the one on a jugger, right? Yeah. Is no, it, it's the one on foot. Oh, the oh, the Bloodmaster Herald is on foot? Oh, that stinks. That's going to slow things down. What is that? Um, oh, he's the Blood Hunter. Okay, so he's on foot. Two to five units of Blood Crushers. So we're back on the juggers. And one to three units of skull cannons. Okay? So, but you'd have to take, uh, probably have to take um, one, uh, the, you'd have to take the, uh, what's he called, the one on a blood hunter, just so that uh, taking the blood hunter will allow you to make those units of blood crushers uh, battle line. And then you've got this battalion. Now, what's great about this battalion, I'm thinking in the in the upcoming possible meta, I'm banking that this would become uh, a valuable item. Corn uh, wants the Skull Seeker host to bring him the heads of monstrous foes to adorn the walls of the Brass Citadel. Any units from a Skull Seeker host within three inches of a monster at the start of your hero phase can immediately pile in, and each model in the unit can make a single attack against the monster with one of their melee weapons. So it's not huge, except the Bloodthirsters, that's pretty good. Um, the Blood Crushers, um, all of them can be using the Mortal Wound attack. You know, just do a regular attack, chance of Mortal Wound. The Skull Cannons, if they can do one wound with one of their melee weapons, which is the Eater, they're going to get to fire. Oh, no, that's not at the right time because it's during the hero phase. But that's not the biggest thing. Uh, the second, The biggest thing is the Prey Upon the Wounded rule. Skull cannons sink to wound the quarry that may be ridden down by the, the blood-hungry kin. In each of your hero phases, make a shooting attack with any skull cannons from a skull seeker host that are within eight inches of a corn hero from the same battalion. So if it's near the bloodthirster or the bloodmaster, they can fire during the hero phase, which actually defeats what I was saying in the last one. After resolving any attacks made in this manner, any other units in the same host can immediately attempt to charge units that suffered any unsaved wounds from these attacks and can attack as described in Giant Killers if the unit they charge is a monster. So they can attempt to charge, and if they do a successful charge, 
um, it's still the hero phase, and they still get the one attack against it in the beginning. And it's not super brilliant. It's not the greatest uh, of the battalions, but it's like 170 points for the for the for the to to purchase that battalion. Um, getting extra attacks in uh, against monsters, shooting at monsters, and letting them be attacked. I'm thinking with the beasts coming out, there's going to be a lot of monster, a lot more monsters on the table. <clears throat> you know what I'm thinking? I mean, it may be good if you're seeing a monster meta pop up, having all these extra shots with cannons, and then getting to ride your blood crushers up. And they're going to do the mortal wounds on the four ups anyway. And you're getting them yeah. in to get that one extra attack to maybe throw some other mortal wounds in. It might be. It might be okay. I mean, if you want to take that stuff. <clears throat> but that's just my thought. That's the only other one I had. Seriously, there was 20 of them. I think we mentioned 10. There was uh, 24 of them. Or 20. I thought there was 23. 24. What did I miss? Um... Uh... The 24th one? Well, yeah, uh, thank you. Did I totally miscount? What am I, a moron? No. I may have miscounted, but I thought for sure there should have been 24. Well, let's do I'm going to just do it right out of the, the general's handbook. Let's see. 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 10, 16, 18, 20, 23. Okay. Womp, well, we count womp. the corn. Count the beast one. There's 24. Just not in this book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. I feel better. A little bit. Anyway, okay. that's the All book. Right. Uh, unless you want to start talking, do uh, you want to give someone, to, Alex? Give us your sage advice. What are you taking, or what are you looking at? There's lots of cool things in here, but what stands out to you as tournament organizer, tournament winner, guy who understands this game better than the guy who's just like shiny? Um, if I was to do it, it would either be Gore Pilgrims or Blood Council would be my start. And then probably at least one in the 30 blood letters. Interesting. Yeah. If I was to like go to play competitively or I can do the Dave Nordstrom and do the Brass Stampede. Um, I personally don't like the idea of painting that many Skull Crushers, um, but that's just me. If I was to play it competitively, it would either be Council Blood, Gore Pilgrims, or Brass Stampede as the base, because I think your battalions are what you would want to take in your armies anyway, um, and just kind of go from there. Well, if you want to go for bodies and stuff, because you don't want to go with small model count, you can go with the Dark Feast. Could, but... A slaughter priest, a blood stoker, and if you max it out, six units of 40 blood reavers for 1,800 points. Hard pass, too much flesh. Yeah. I think you need body count. It's just with this army, it it hits hard, but it's still a little on the soft end of things. Because the best thing it has is a couple characters with a three-up save. Otherwise, it's fours with not a lot of ignoring Ren and very little ranged output. That so is the true. stuff that I'm taking, I want to be killers. Got to hit hard and hit 
fast, basically, right? Yeah, I mean, Blood Reavers are good if you're going to take mobs of them for objective running. I'm not going to use them as a combat line unit, realistically. Right. But with Blood Letters, I can take a lot of them. They're going to cut stuff up, and there's still enough of them that they can make a difference in objective scenarios where I need body count. Okay, I got you. But also the idea of doing three bloodthirsters is just really appealing to me <laughs> because then it's only painting three big red models. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <sighs> I just love the brass stampede. Oh, yeah. Well, we also see it a lot, too. How often is a lot? That's not a, you know, I've only seen it the one time. Does it, was there a bunch of them at Adepticon or something? Well, I mean, it's. I think it's also the local area, because um, one of the better breast MP players that we have in the era, Dave Nordstrom in Milwaukee, um, he plays a really mean breast MP, and he's been playing it for a really long time. Isn't that the so, guy I played against at Gen Con? I don't know if he was there. I played against um, someone. He played against Domus last year, and they played against me this year. I don't think that was Dave. No, maybe um, it wasn't. But Dave has been to Adepticon. Um, he did really well with it at Adepticon. Um, and then he's used it at a bunch of other events. So he's gotten really good with it. And even with like my Stormcast Drake list, it is a tough fight to go against a Brass Stampede. Yeah, it's just dumb. It's just all of these juggernauts, and they get all the bonuses because you max it out. Yeah. And they get and it, all the bonuses. I mean, D3 on... They're in the hero phase, D3 on the charge. Um, you're not rolling for it because you're near other guys in your unit. It's just crazy. Yeah. It's a good battalion for sure. Yeah. it. I, I just... Every time we cover corn, I really want to start a corn army. Like I, that's not how I feel with every single book we cover. Um, I'm interested. It looks cool. It might be fun. It might be fun to paint them and play them, but I'm not really feeling tempted. Whereas, like every day, I'm like just about to pick up the phone and call Lindsay's and be like, "Order me up some 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 blood uh, some skull crushers." Yeah, because by the way, skull crushers are direct. You got to order directly from so. Got to either special order through your local game store or order directly. It's not just going to sit on the shelves. But no. But the blood crushers, they're there. You can buy those, but not the skull crushers. Don't. Get well, you it. can use the blood crushers in two game systems. Oh, that's true. Okay. Uh. And you've got me seriously considering that other battalion. Anyway. With the healing and the and the mortal wound output, but the other he, the other leader's tanky. See, there's choices, but it's like I said, this is one, this is the only one that's tempted me this way. As I've been going through the book and taking notes, I've just been like, I mean, look at I actually paying attention to battalions and stuff like that. It's just fun. I like it. It's fun. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. We've done four, and uh, plus the readings, plus the commercials. That's plenty for a book. We need to do it. See, it didn't even go to five or eight. Yeah, and I'm I'm done. There's no way we're doing eight. Sorry, guys. No, I'm glad. No, I'm gl- but I'm glad we were. I mean, this took a long time because there was a lot of units. But I kind of liked mixing up some of the the lore with the with, with the unit at least, so that way at least it seemed to it seemed more relevant. 
I don't know, to me mm-hmm. at least. I don't know. Folks, let us know what you thought about that. And speaking of which, folks, if you like the episode, hey, leave us a positive review on iTunes because we still got the contest going, and we won't, we don't have that many reviews right now. Um, and I, I almost want to thank the guys from Rolling Bad for mentioning that we were missing them um, until somehow Elric, Mr. Not Really Playing, uh, is going to turn around and be like, oh, that makes us the biggest warrior ever podcast because we got more iTunes reviews, uh, if, as if that's all it took. Uh, it takes likes on Twitter, don't you know? Huh? It takes likes on Twitter, don't you know? Oh, that too. Yes, yes, absolutely. But yeah, no, if you leave us some iTunes reviews, if you're leaving them outside of the United States uh, iTunes feed, just drop me an email, garagehammerlive.com. Let me know so I can count you in and go check it out and count you in at as uh, for the contest for something from the prize closet. Um, the more entries we get, the more prizes I'm going to give. I think that's what I'm going to do. Um, I think, it, you know, right now I think we've only got about 20. But if we can get more, I'll I'll just I'll draw more names and uh, get, give out some more prizes from the prize closet. Um, I'm just crossing my fingers, hoping people want some mantic zombies because they're the good zombies, and I have lots of them. But of course uh, you do. <laughs> well, you know what? When when making a thousand of them was playable, I wanted them. I got mm-hmm. about a, I got about a little over a quarter of the way through them. And then they no longer became playable. That uh, that with that many, you just can't do it. So that's where we're at. But let's wrap this up so that we can uh, we can uh, get done and and get ready to record our next episode. Which, folks, um, it's going to be another. Uh, what is it? The starter boxes? Is that what we call? Yeah. It? So we're going to go back to a little bit of what we did with the start collecting series, um, but we're going to do corn uh, because there's three of them. Yeah, um, It'll so fill up an episode, up this episode. And we just covered this. So now that we've talked about all these models and all the things they can do, we don't have to spend an inordinate amount of time on it next episode. And it's relative. Yes. Irrelevant. It's it's relative something. That's what I know. I'm tired. Yes. All right, let's wrap this up. Uh, folks, please don't forget to check out After Olinor, the Garage Hammer Horus Heresy Book Club on the Free Buddhas Network. There's lots of great shows there. That's the only place you can hear new episodes. If you like it, leave them a nice iTunes review, too, although that's not part of the contest. Uh, remember, check out our Patreon page. And before we go, we must, as always, thank uh, our sponsors, uh uh, Phil Elliott and Dwight Sims, our associate producers, our executive producers, Big Jake and Nick Nafpliotis, and then, uh, of course, our newest sponsor, Ken Sheldon. Thanks again, Ken, for joining up, and thank you all to all of you patrons who have decided that being part of the 1% is worth your money and your effort. Uh, we cannot thank you enough. So that is, I believe... That, um, do we have anything else we need to add, Alex? No. Oh, I got it's one time. Th- no, I got one. No. no, it's not a real. It's not going to be long. Um, there's going to be uh, Lindsay's. Uh, the um, next uh, AOS one day event at Lindsay's is going to be on November 10th. Um, I'm 99 percent positive I'm going to be playing in that. 
So um, I'll have more details on the website, probably in the show notes. I'll have them up next episode, definitely on the Facebook page. Um, but if you're in, if you're in the area around here, um, Lindsay's is kind of awesome. I mean, you can get everything you want there. Um, and if you're playing and maybe a friend of you wants to come with but doesn't want to play, dude, it's like 10 bucks to get in, and it all goes toward, I think you get, uh, I think you, it, you, it's like goes towards either gift cards or prizes or store, you get like credit for store merchandise. Like they just want to get you in there and playing. Um, and if your friend's coming and doesn't want to play, they've got that huge paint station with every paint available. So you could bring stuff to work on and hobby on while your other friends are, are gaming if you're not ready. But give it a check out. Um, check them out. Um, they do have a, a Facebook page uh, for Lindsay's Gamer Garrison. Check it out. November 10th, I'll be there. I'll be playing. I uh, hope to see you guys there. And now we're done. Okay? I lost Alex. Yeah. Oh, good. There he goes. All right. No, no. I was just thinking... Uh, Black Dog Hobby Game is actually hosting an event that same day. Okay, so if you're near Alex, then you can go to that event. Yeah, it's a random partners uh, 1K event uh, for teams. Oh, cool. So you have tons of options in Northern Illinois the weekend of the 10th. If you're not burned out after uh, Dragonfall, after Holy Havoc... Yeah, it's just there's just a lot. So, I mean, hey, listen, I'm if there's a hard a... maybe for that weekend... Uh, that Sunday after is Carrie's baby shower, so ah, hard maybe for me to go out, but we'll see. Well, Alex, we'll find out. Alex might be over at Black Dog Hobby and Games playing. I will definitely be over at Lindsay's playing. Your options are open. Whatever's closest, man, you can play. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so that I think that is it. So now we're done. And as always, as we finish up here, folks, I just want to say that until next time, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hand. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at garagehammer. And Alex, that's me, is at some kind of geek thirty. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at soundcloud.com slash Claire Seabrook Music. Finally, if you want to join the Garage Hammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance Forums. That's TGA.community, or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>